quiver's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. We've got Andy Ponce today to join us for a great intro. How's it going, Andy? Things are going good. Oh, I'm glad I caught you. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to get you on the intro and uh, just got done recording an awesome podcast with Tavis Rogers of Colorado. Um, Tavis is, you know, another one of those guys that's just done it all. He's seems like he's taken every deer species in North America and then some with his longbow and um, it's just a, just a really awesome guy that represents traditional bow hunting in a positive light. And, um, it's a, it was a great conversation, but at the end of this conversation, we get into him killing a world-class blacktail deer here in Oregon, uh, just this last fall. And so definitely, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but how, how's everything going over at Addictive Archery, Andy? Oh, things are going good. We're uh, glad to see 2020 in the rearview mirror uh, and looking forward to 2021. Hopefully we can get things back to normal and get back to seeing people in person and getting out to some 3D shoots. Oh man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope I hope we get a chance to, to make it to some 3D shoots. I got my fingers crossed for sure. Um, well, why don't you tell uh, the listeners, uh, you know, what's new? At, I know you just got an, at your own... Uh, 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 a storefront there where you live. Tell us a little bit more about what's new at Addictive Archery. Yeah, so in 2020, we were able to complete our house. Uh, and so uh, we actually now have a walk-in storefront. It's, it's, in our, it's in our old house. I was able to set that up. Um, so you can actually walk in and everything's out on display. Before, we were, we were set up as more of a manufacturing shop inside of, the, uh, inside of my father-in-law's uh, shop there on the farm. And so we were in separating the three small rooms where we had to pull stuff out, show folks, and then put stuff away just so we had room to work. Now everything's out on display. I've got uh, the arrow finishing room is actually now our old kitchen. So I got my fletching table out permanently with a cresting bench and a place to burn feathers. And um, we got a nice uh, place where you can walk around, try stuff out. You're able to shoot and try bows out there, uh, weather permitting, because we still have an outdoor range there. Uh, and then I have a whole room just dedicated to finishing and dipping arrows. Oh, very cool. Why don't uh, you tell us a little bit more about what you have going with uh, the, the arrow bit side of things? Well, um, things are, since we're able to expand now into the shop, I'm able to do a lot more, uh, a lot more capacity. I, I still, everything is done hand painted. Um, I, I personally handle all the arrows and straighten them and, and do that. But, uh, Instead of, I think the last, my last arrow rack, I had a 12 dozen capacity. Now I've got, I want to say 42 dozen I can have going at a time. Dang. Uh, in different stages of completion. So, uh, yeah, now the, the, definitely the bottleneck is just my time being able to sit down on the, on the cresting bench, um, and, and get things done there. But, uh, you know, time permitting, I'm able to keep up. 
Very cool. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about some of the brands that uh, Addictive Archery offers. Yeah. So for the brands that we're carrying, that changes all the time. Anytime we're able to, to make a little bit of money, we reinvest in the business and expand our, our uh, uh, selections. Uh, you know, we can start with the broadheads. I, I carry Ace, uh, Magnus, Zwicky, um, BPA, and Grizzly broadheads. Uh, as far as, uh, like leather goods, shooting gloves, I carry uh, neat, uh, for the youth and entry level. And then I have, uh, EW Bateman. I think they have the best, uh, shooting tabs and gloves on the market. All high end Cordovan, uh, leather shooting gloves and tabs. Mm-hmm. Um, I carry, uh, and I carry gateway feathers. I carry uh boning and bear paw knocks. Oh, those are my favorite. Uh, yeah. Yep. Got that. I, um, let's see for arrow shafts. I carry, uh, obviously, uh, Sherwood shafts, Doug fur, our local company. I think they're putting out the best Doug fur on the market. And then I carry, uh, uh the Wapiti, uh, Portoford cedar shafts. Um, let's see in the carbon side of things. I also work on carbon and aluminum arrows. We carry the full line of, uh, Easton aluminum and carbon. So I have the full metal jackets, uh, Eastern traditional access. Uh, I carry black Eagle. So I got the vintage and the instinct, uh, the wood grain carbon look, um, shafts. I carry gold tips. Uh, we carry some victory. Uh, again, that's a new line for us. We're starting to carry, um, yeah, that covers my arrow shafts. And then I carry all the full true North, uh, line of paints for making arrows. So, uh, you know, with the with the um, video series that we have, everything you see on the video series, I also offer there in the shop. And if you're able to come out to the shop, uh, we can set an appointment time and I can spend some time showing you how to use all the products, the paints and the dips, uh, how to use the spin right crest machine that we carry. We carry the uh, young feather burner and, uh, you know, the archery pass dip tubes and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, we carry just about everything. I carry the full line of BCY. Uh, string material and that's what i make all my custom strings out of yeah so you 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 literally are a full service archery shop i think a lot of people don't realize that um you make custom strings which i shoot i love your strings you got a a lot of uh choices there in the string um you know and you you ask a guy what knock and what you have a lot of choices on serving i mean i really like the the attention to detail um and your custom arrows you know they're the best in my opinion um, but if a guy wants to build his own arrows, you've got the YouTube channel really breaking it down for him. And then you have all the products, like you said, and you can tell him how, what products work well with each other. You know, this product goes good with that product or or whatnot. So you can really save a guy a lot of the hassle like me when I got into wood arrows. I just harassed you and, you know, purchased all the stuff I needed from you and, and threw it together. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And for the customers that have questions and stuff, I, I don't think I ask to be patient. I, I still do work uh, another full-time job. I work for the fire department. And so, um, you know, call and leave a message. It, it might take me a day or two, depending on my work schedule. I'm, I'm still on the 24 hour shift rotation at work. So, uh, but I, I'm really good at returning phone numbers and stuff. And for those that are, are looking to get into traditional and stuff, if you can make an appointment with me there, we do carry, uh, I am starting to carry some bows, 
Uh, we have uh, October Mountain products for entry level bows there and stuff. And actually, they're they're putting out some really nice stuff that I'd even consider shooting. Hmm. And then I get a good selection that's growing all the time of used bows there okay. uh, for some of our our Oregon boyers and stuff. Oh, that's so, really cool. Come out uh, and check that out. Yeah. It's and then there. and then I know you run a, a a leather shop as well, and you you sell Great Northern quivers and you build custom Great Northern quivers and custom back quivers and. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we carry for for bow quivers. We carry Great Northern, which uh, Bob's been been kind enough to work with us there. He's got uh, uh, I have some hoods that have our logo laser engraved in them, and then I can also make custom hoods for them, so I can I can customize your quiver for you. And then uh, also Selway, carry the full line of Selway quivers now. That's a new addition for us in 2020. And then I do make uh, custom uh, back quivers, side quivers. Uh, there and so if there's something in the shop that you want to have changed or customized to fit you exactly the way you want it i can do that yeah um that's not a website yet as soon as i get some time i will i will add it to the website but uh yeah so for those folks too that are looking for a printed catalog i have not done that yet because our inventory is constantly changing uh one of these days when i when i get a little help in the shop we might put something together but uh, really the best way to keep up with stuff is to keep an eye on the website and our instagram page or call me directly if uh, if you don't see it on the website chances are i have it uh or can get it for you if you're looking for something specific very cool very cool so don't forget to support your local businesses folks if you're uh, here in oregon um you know get a hold of andy uh, if you're not in oregon get a hold of andy but you know, take care of the we, here in 2021. We need to be looking out for the little guys. So I, I hope you guys uh, get a hold of Andy and and uh, give him a chance because he he really does do a run a custom top notch operation. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you, Andy? So they can find me at addictivearchery.com. Uh, you can search YouTube for me at, uh, at Addictive Archery, and uh, same thing on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the best place to, to find me and get old me at. That's awesome. Um, before I let you go, why don't we check in a little bit with, uh, Compton traditional You're you're on the board over there. What's, what's going on over there? Well, we're looking forward to 2021. I'd like everybody else. We got our fingers crossed that we're going to be able to hold some events. Um, so I would say, look at Compton's website and our Instagram page. We are making plans for a 2021 rendezvous there in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Yes. We always hold it on Father's Day weekend. So it, it's, uh, it's in June. Uh, it's a great family event with on-site camping and shooting and vendors. Uh, so we will, as we get closer to the date, we'll be able to firm up the plans, but, uh, right now we're proceeding as if we can have it. We're really hoping that, uh, the, the virus and the pandemic will, will come to the end now that, that vaccines are hitting the, hitting the States and stuff and that we'll be able to hold it. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on the, on the website and that's Compton traditional Yeah. We are the national traditional bow hunting organization. So, um, yeah, for those men, for those uh, those listening to the podcast, if you're curious as to what what we are and who we are, uh, you have the website you can look at. If uh, if you order stuff from me and stuff, let me know that you're you're not a member yet, and I can uh, send you a free quarterly magazine that we uh, put out once you're a member. Um, and I'll include a little coupon code for an introductory price there. You get a little bit of break on the price since you're an addictive archery customer, and 
uh, we can get you is to be part of our membership. Very good. Very good. I love it. Well, thanks so much, Andy, for joining us on this intro. And I look forward to uh, seeing you here soon. We can shoot some arrows. Yeah, for sure. That sounds great. Awesome. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast, folks. Today, we have a special guest, Tavis Rogers. Tavis, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Another great day. (laughs) You're uh, coming from the high country of Colorado, right? Correct. Yeah, I live up in uh, up in the mountains in Colorado, near near Steamboat Springs. Oh, that sounds nice up there. Uh, we we haven't been getting the snow we normally do, so we're we're praying actually for more snow because uh, that definitely makes a big difference in the summertime. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It seems to have been a mild winter um, across to the U.S. at this point. Um, I mean, we're getting a fair share of rain already, but. I uh, definitely could yeah. use some snowfall, and I'm, uh, I've am i got a California hog hunt planned. I'm ready to do a rain dance for those folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, does, that, does it seem to be better for the pigs down there when, uh, when it gets away? From my understanding, yeah, from my understanding, uh, I've only hunted them once, um, but the, and, and I did in the uh, heat of the summer, and pretty nocturnal, mm-hmm. but I guess the weather will... Get the ground wet so you can stalk them and you can get into those oaks and whatnot. And so, yeah. from what I hear, it's a lot better in the rain. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for mm-hmm. some for some moisture. Um, yeah. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us uh, a little bit about Tavis and how uh, you got into this wonderful lifestyle we call traditional bow hunting. <laughs> Well, um, it's been a, I, I've been bow, I've been bow hunting and shooting traditional bows, I guess, all my life. Uh, I think, I, I think I started shooting bows that, that my, that my mother and my grandfather made for me back when I was a, probably four five, six years old, old, uh, you know, I remember my mother would cut, cut a cedar branch and tie a string on it and say, here's your bow and I'd go out there and get out of my hair Dang. <laughs> and send me off. And, uh, you know, I, I wander off with a bow and arrow, you know, uh, been, you know, so I feel like I've been doing it basically my whole life and 50, 53 years old now. And, you know, my first, my first bows, I, I think my first bow, that, what I would call a real bow was one that my grandfather made for me out of the, out of, uh, some hickory and, and made a, made a little long bow for me. Um, and, uh, you know, that was probably, probably seven six or seven when he made that bow for me. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> so yeah, the, the mystical, the mystical flight of the arrow is no stranger to you. Um, are you from Colorado or is that where you were raised? No, I, I actually grew up in West Texas, um, central Texas and West Texas. My, you know, my family's, uh, mostly in central Texas, uh, near Kerrville, Texas. And then um, I grew up out, out near San Angelo, Texas, which is more, more West Texas. Um, and then, uh, went to college and got my engineering degrees. And as soon as I was, as soon as I got my degrees, I left and came to the mountains because, uh, you know, I've always just had a love affair with the mountains. So, uh, you know, headed to Colorado. Oh, very cool. Was your grandfather or father, uh, bow hunter? My grandfather never, he was a, he was definitely more of a rifle hunting guy, uh, 
you know, but he was, he actually supported me in bow hunting. My, my uncles, my, you know, my relatives weren't, weren't too keen on bow hunting. They were, oh my gosh, you're going to wound something. Oh, you know, I mean, it was always, they were always adamantly against uh, me going out in the, out in the field and trying to shoot a deer with a bow. And my grandfather actually encouraged it. Uh, I can remember when I, when I, uh, one time there was a, I mean, my first deer, my grand, grandfather was like, uh, you know, hey, there's, you know, we had deer around the house and stuff, or he, had, he had, they had deer around the house. And, and he said, hey, there's a nice buck out there in front. Why don't you go get your bow and see if you can shoot it? And, and uh, my, my uncles were there, and, they're, you know, they, they were doing whatever, talking whatever. And, and so I snuck around and uh, went over there and shot that deer and killed it. And, and I remember my granddad let out a whoop. He's like, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> And my uncles were like, "What did he do?" <laughs> you know, and, and uh, go over there, and I had a you know had a deer that uh, that I shot with my with a at that time it was recurve, um, but uh, you know shot it and killed him, and you know didn't go very far. And I don't know my you know my family was kind of it was kind of weird. My family was kind of against bow hunting. Uh, we had you know deer hunting property in Texas, and you know we hunted deer all the time, but they they were more against me hunting with a bow. It was always, "Oh, you're going to just wound one or something," but uh, you know, but I don't know. Maybe that made me a little more cognizant of making sure I made a good shot. You know, yeah. Uh, so that I wouldn't want one, so that sure. I wouldn't be getting getting in trouble. You know. So. Sure. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. I still. I, I mean, I enjoy shooting rifles, shotguns, bows. Now, one thing I haven't shot in probably, I don't know. It's been more than twenty years. I'm sure since I've shot a compound. Uh, at all. Um, well, let me tell you, things things have changed in twenty years. Tavis. Oh, I'm sure. It may be closer to 30 years. Uh, truth, truth be known, it's been a long time since I've even, I've even lo- loosed an arrow off of a compound. So, very long time. So, oh, that's awesome. So, uh, you you move out to uh, Colorado? Is that where you moved right to once you got out of school? You know, I got out of college and I just took off and went to, you know, drove drove north and got in the mountains and uh, didn't have a job, didn't have anything lined out. I just, you know, came up to the mountains and had my fly rod. And, uh, you know, a bow in the truck and uh, just said, I'm gone, you know, and I came up here and basically uh, ran around the mountains and fished and played around and I, until I finally said, man, I, I guess I need to get a job. <laughs> so I went and got a job uh, that would keep me here and, uh, you know, so that I could, so that I could do what I, what, do what I love, being in the mountains, you know. Yeah, guys got to pay for broadheads and tags and licenses anyway. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, chatting with you, you you've hunted. Uh, I mean, you've you've hunted all over the place, and you've hunted a lot of different species. Um, in general, you've you've hunted a lot of different deer species. You've hunted all the deer species, it seems. Well, yeah. Uh, for North America, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten all the deer species in North America, but uh, some of the other hunting I've done, I've uh, uh, I've hunted uh, up in Canada and Alaska, and uh, I've actually hunted down in South America as well. I've, so I guess uh, kind of some of the more exotic stuff I've I've hunted. I, I shot a red stag in, in uh, Argentina and uh, hunted some wow. So you know, deer and a red a red stag in Argentina. You usually hear about guys shooting stags in New Zealand, which is usually ends up being some kind of high fence hunt. Um, Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about a red stag hunt in, in uh, 
Argentina. How how does that look? Well, you know, it's a, Argentina people are awesome. The uh, you know accommodations and people are just wonderful uh, to be around. The, the food is is off the off the charts. They're excellent food, excellent wine. Uh, this was a free range hunt, right. uh, not not like what you would get in New Zealand. So, uh, you know, these these stags basically ran around the mountain range and, and just like hunting elk in in Colorado. Uh, but uh, what what month difficult. what month were you hunting them, and were they in the rut? They they go into the rut in uh, March April time frame. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think the peak of the ruts typically in April. Okay. And uh, so I was over there. Actually, probably the middle of April to the end of April, maybe the peak of the rut. I was over there in the first week of April, and um, you know, and I hunted. Uh, I, I actually went over to to a place, and they had some. They, they had red stags, and then they also had uh, these water buffalo. And I, my, I, I wanted to shoot red stag really badly, and then also uh, they had these water buffalo that are the, the giant water. They're, they're giant, bigger than the ones. They're bigger than the Cape buffalo. They're 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 like the biggest. Wow, buffalo species that they've got over there, and and um, but my but when I got when I got there, I had I had bought some some uh, Alaska archery arrows and, and broadheads, and but when I'm setting everything up, I know I was looking at the and, and they're single bevel broadheads, and I looked at the bevel and I'm looking at the fletchings, and so the bevel on the broadheads was right, and the fletchings were left, and I said, oh. I'm not, you know, I was too concerned about shooting that big of an animal with anything that might be a little bit off and didn't want to have to follow up with a gun. But, uh, right. so I didn't, I didn't go after the Buffalo, but, but, uh, spent quite a bit of time running around in the hills or pretty well, mountains, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little bit jaded when it comes to mountains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, these were, you know, it's a couple thousand feet vertical and, you know, and my, uh, you, you know, my, my guide that was on that hunt, you know, and he, first day we went out and rode horses and second day I said, well, why, why don't we just leave the horses there? Cause they were a pain. That's just walk. And, uh, I said, okay. And, uh, you know, so I, I basically walked until he couldn't walk anymore. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and walked all over the entire ranch, which was kind of fun. And, uh, you know, so what's the train look like there? It was really open. Um, that was part of the difficulty. It was I mean, it was like hunting deer above tree line. Uh, and the way I finally got a got got a you know got in close on a stag to get a shot, um, you know, we, we found some two bulls that were were bedded up in a in kind of a, a little brushy area. And I said, well, you know, let me see if I can sneak in there and get a you know get a shot. And so I and I, I was using a ghillie suit. Um, and and I, I slipped in there and it, he I, I lost a lot of those photographs and pictures and videos that he had that I've got one somewhere but uh, uh, you know that 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 I'd gotten but uh, with that ghillie suit and that brush I mean you can't even see me he's got a he was videoing from back behind me and it's like then you can kind of see my bow come up and and, and in the video and you can see see my you know see me come to full draw and let go i mean it was but it was awesome i mean i got right in there within 15 yards of those stag two bulls and dang uh, one of them one of them stood up and and uh shot him and you know so i got a red stag that's awesome <laughs> were they doing were they is it roaring is that what they say roaring roar yeah yeah it's, it's a really weird sound it's you know I, uh, it's definitely not pretty like an elk beetle <laughs> uh-huh. yeah but 
But no, so I don't know. It was it was, it was a it was a great trip. Uh, you know, the downside to that is is I couldn't bring back the meat, and, and that's one thing I'm really you know adamant. You know, my family we we love eating uh, uh, you know game meat, and so you know couldn't bring back meat and couldn't did, bring back. Did you get a taste? So the, I, did you get to try the meat though in camp? Oh yeah, I I ate some when we were while we were there. Actually, it wasn't what I was. It wasn't as good as I was expecting. It wasn't as good. It wasn't as good as elk. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, so I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's not, not no great, but but the but the downside on that whole trip, I ended up. I mean, I've got some pictures, uh, but but they they wanted too much to ship it for for getting it transported out of out of Argentina to the United States, and so I just I just told them to keep it. <laughs> I didn't need another. I didn't need it. <laughs> oh, I see. I'd like to have had it mounted, but I, yeah. I ended up ended up leaving it down there. So yeah. Huh. Oh well. Well, you got the you got the adventure and the memories. No one can take that from you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what other uh, What are some other exotic hunts you've been on? Well, I uh, I've hunted in Alaska several times. Uh, I haven't. I guess I've, I've shot uh, Sitka deer on on Kodiak, and that 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 is a hunt that that's just a dream hunt. That's something that huh. people, you know, uh, it's just such an an awesome adventure. It's such a beautiful place. It's number uh, one on my bucket deer. list, Tavis. Number one is the yeah. Kodiak blacktail. Yeah. Well, when I when I hunted blacktails up there, I I think we could get four tags, and so from my perspective. You know, and I'm hunting with hunting with a longbow, and <laughs> I'm just like, I'm shooting the first deer that gives me a chance, and I'm going to shoot the second deer that gives me a chance, and and so uh, you know, I ended up shooting a doe on the first day, and then I shot another doe on the second day, and then on the third day I I shot a buck, and and uh, you know, it was actually he, he ran down into some brush uh, down the down the mountain, and and so I'm I'm just kind of waiting on him, giving him a little time, and and uh, he he got he got grabbed by a bear and <laughs> I didn't get my buck. <laughs> oh man. I've heard that, uh, that the, I, I've heard the bears hoping, are part of the adventure on the Island. Well, we didn't have any real, you know, episodes with them. It's just, a dang bear got my, got my buck. And, and, you know, I was really, I was, the arrow was still in that buck. So I'm, I'm, I was kind of hoping that bear choke on it, but, <laughs> oh, it really made me mad. Uh, it was a nice buck too. Nice, nice three-point buck. I mean, what you know, I mean, they're they're really small rack deer, but uh, man, you know, they're beautiful. God, they're beautiful. They're such good. The meat is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> bring back every ounce of that. Ooh. Yeah, uh, Bob uh, went up there this uh, fall, and his wife, uh, after tasting the meat, she said, "Yep, you're welcome to go back to Kodiak anytime you want to go." Oh yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, another kind of exotic hunt. I, I went to Northwest Territories and hunted mountain caribou and, and doll sheep and, and uh, got a got a fabulous mountain caribou and, and an awesome doll sheep uh, on that hunt. Just, uh, again, you know, another one of those where, uh, you know, most people I don't think really consider going to on that kind of a hunt with, you know, just carrying a, a, a simple longbow you know but um the the outfitter I, I was the first guy that had ever uh ever showed up with a you know with traditional gear and he was he was pretty he was like uh you ever kill anything with that <laughs> yeah it is pretty good and uh first day out i killed just a whopper just a giant of a mountain caribou 
And, uh, you know, and then he's like, oh, I guess you can kill stuff with that. And then, you know, it took me eight days, eight days of hard hunting after that to, to kill a sheep. But, uh, uh, but I got a, got just a wonderful, you know, awesome, awesome dull sheep. So, I mean, and, and my wife, my wife did, she really loved the caribou, but she didn't like the, uh, like the sheep that much. So, no, I've heard the <laughs> sheep. I, the sheep was, I oh. thought it was awesome. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the sheep is good. I heard the sheep ribs are the there's nothing better. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought it was just wonderful every every bit of it. So, so you you've cut your no, teeth on on whitetail and and you live in uh, pretty much the best mule deer country in the world. Um, yeah. Tell us uh, a little bit uh, about your love and passion for mule deer and whitetail deer. Well, I, you know, I grew up hunting whitetails in Texas, uh, which are a different deer. I've, I, as, as I as I got older, I got I got the opportunity to hunt whitetails in Kansas and Nebraska and Oklahoma, more in the prairie country, and 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 you know what a you know what a big difference they they are versus you know hill country in Texas. Uh, hunting those whitetails in the prairie, much you know much bigger deer, you know, beautiful, you know, great you know great trophy potential for sure, you know, uh, compared to where I grew up, a 115-inch whitetail is a big one, you know. Uh, <laughs> and you go to Kansas, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, they're just giants. So, uh, you know, just a, a lot of fun. I, you know, did a lot of hunting in, in, in Kansas. Had good friends there that uh, I, I spent many years hunting, back, going back and forth from Colorado to Kansas and hunting over there. And uh, ended up killing some, some really nice bucks over, over there in Kansas as well uh, over the years. But I, I think my one of my true passions and the reason I probably the main reason I moved to Colorado reading stories from Marv Klinky and uh you know traditional bow hunter back in the day and you know him, him talking about going up in the high country above tree line and, and hunting hunting mule deer and I just ha oh, you know that was just you know my passion so uh you know I, I've spent a lot of time uh you know hunting hunting mule deer above the tree line and, and that's that's kind of what I what I really love, and it's one of those where you just have to be in. It's it's a totally different ball game. I mean, most whitetail hunting is you know, you're sitting in a stand or either a pop up blind or a tree stand and, and waiting for the deer to come to you. And with mule deer and, and this high country stuff, you you basically you've got to get up early early in the morning and go climb a couple thousand feet vertical and sit on a ridge and start glassing. Uh, and then you find a deer and he's you know he's two miles away and he's you've got to drop 2000 vertical feet and then climb another 2000 vertical feet and then get over there and get within range of him to, to make a shot. And it's just, you know, very intense, yeah. <laughs> very, very physical and very, uh, if you don't do things right, you don't, you know, you don't end up getting a shot. Uh, and, and, you know, you learn through the school of hard knocks, how to, how to make mistakes. Definitely. It, it really uh, is. Yeah. A, it really is a hurry up and wait game. Right. And, and it really is, uh, it takes a lot of patience. I mean, I tell people it takes, you know, number one is patience. Number two is physical. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the physical side of it is, is pretty extreme, but the patience is more extreme than physical, uh, for, for hunting those, those high country doing, you know, spot and stop. It's, it's uh, the mental aspect is greater than the physical aspect. So, I, uh, anyway. I was hunting uh, some high desert mule deer this summer, and I was uh, I had actually found these two bucks that I was interested in, and I'd been on them for oh I think four days. 
I would sit and watch them every day, all day. And it was kind of cool out and I was waiting for it to get warm out. And I was waiting for them to go bed under the rim rock in a stockable position. And I knew they were <laughs> going to do it. Um, I just yeah. didn't sure, wasn't sure when, when it was going to happen. And uh, one morning they were just under me about 200 yards and another group of young bucks had come up to my left and kind of pinned me down. And I found myself laying on my back in the slick brush because if I showed these young bucks, my, you know, they would blow the big bucks out. I ended up falling asleep there, Tavis. Uh, <laughs> and it was like 40 degrees and I had like a puffy mm -hmm. jacket and, and all kinds of clothes on. But my eyes and my nose and my lips were exposed to the sun. Mm, and mm. I, I woke up about two hours oh. later and my lips were stuck together. And uh, oh. I, I was able to not blow the deer out. But let me tell you, my lips were broken for about another month after that. So yeah. mule deer can really kick your butt in different ways that you don't see coming. Right. Well, and that, that's one of the key things in, in the high country the way I the way I found to be successful is to, to actually sneak in really tight, really close to them. Uh, I mean, and I'm talking. I, I, I like to stop my stalks between 15 yards and, and no more than 20. Um, closer than 15, you're too close. You you won't get a shot. Uh, more than 20, it's if they jump up and go, you're talking you know a really long shot for a, for a traditional bow. Um, so, so I like to, you know, kind of, but, but when they, when they bed up in the middle of the day, uh, at least in that high country, they will tend to get into a, into some shade, um, and, and then they can't see as well. So, so you can get in a lot closer. And then when you get close and have the wind right, then you got to wait for them. Uh, even if you, even if you can see their body, I, I've made that mistake too. Don't, don't take that shot when they're laying down uh, the, the way they're, the way their leg curls up next to their to their side um a lot of times if you try to take that shot when they're laying down you'll end up hitting them in the leg and, and your arrow won't get penetration you, you, you know you'll just wound them mm. um and then and then they'll you know uh, i mean they're probably going to be okay most likely uh unless you break a leg uh but most likely with traditional equipment you're not going to break the leg but you also won't get enough penetration to kill yeah them. that makes sense um but uh I mean, I've got one mule deer. I'm just looking up at right now, and I, I shot him one year. Laying, down, he was laying down when I shot him, and uh, um, stuck an arrow in him, and he ran off. And then um, I killed him three deer, three years later, the same buck. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, so you learned from that mistake. Learned from that mistake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you say, you, you learn the mistakes by by making them. Maybe you share not to do it. Maybe share one of your favorite uh, high country bucks in the sky story with us okay well probably that one so um uh, this uh, this buck I'd, I'd seen him uh several times i was i wasn't really after this particular buck but uh uh but i but but he had a really interesting rack it was real heavy good mass and uh on his on his left side he's he's got an extra fork on the back and but on his right side, he's a, he, he's missing his front fork. And, and he looked like that, you know, first time I ever saw him. Um, and, and I, you know, I was like, man, I kept looking at that deer. I'm like, you know, that deer's big enough. I need to make a stalk on him and get him. So I stalked in, 
got within about 10 yards and I could see his body laying there and I'm like, man, that's just perfect. I just need to shoot him. So I shot, hit him, hit him, the, the arrow hit him in the, kind of in the low, low in the shoulder. It was, would have been right over his heart lungs. Um, but, but when he ran off, the arrow was sticking straight out of his leg and I'm like, ah, oh. and, uh, then it fell out and, uh, I was really upset. I didn't see him again that year. Um, uh, actually was after a, a, a different buck the next year. So I, I, you know, I didn't even, I, I knew this buck was still in that same basin. I just, I was after a different deer. And, uh, so like, you know, three years later, I'm in that, in that basin where this deer lived and then I see him again. And I'm like, you know, that's that same deer. And, you know, I, I, I should try to finish the deal. So I, I was, I had climbed to the top of a, a 13, it was top of that ridge, 13,700 feet. And so I'm looking down into this basin. I saw this buck, and I, so I so I started my stalk and went down and uh, ended up ended up leaving my backpack up, you know, along the way, and, and you know, and it, it was really open where where he was. So I had I had to be really careful. So I uh, I kept sliding down, getting you know, and he he could see me if he he wasn't really down in thick cover. So I mean, he could see me if he looked my way. So when he'd look away, I'd, I'd move, and then. When I, I keep my eyes on him, and if he if he looked my way, I you know, stop again. And so I, I got down within about oh 35, 40 yards, and uh, and it was a storm coming in. It was midday, and it was kind of a, a rainstorm coming in. And uh, so after you know the wind starts swirling, and he, well, he smelled me, and he stood up, and he's looking around. He was on the wind. He wasn't sure which direction you know I was because the wind was swirling, and he's looking around trying to figure out. But, and I thought, well, I better shoot now or forever hold my peace. And so I made a really long shot uh, for me, you know, about probably about 40 yards. And, uh, you know, Buck ran down the mountain and, and then uh, ended up getting him down down lower on the mountain. But, uh, you know, it was just such a cool thing to, to realize that these deer do the same thing year after year. I mean, he may migrate and in the, and in the you know, in the rut, he may be, 30 40 50 miles from where where he spends his summers and uh you know just watching that year after year and watching these different deer kind of getting to know them you know really cool very cool right you gross scores about 185 or something like that so a decent deer yeah and so when you first shot him do you think he was like three four years old he was probably probably four years old so seven Um, when you got him yeah, I mean he was regressing. He definitely was. He's narrow. When I, when I did get him, he's he's narrower and he's uh, his I, mass is about the same, but he's narrower and got a little more character to him, I guess you would say. Just okay. But a uh, huge body on him. Oh my gosh, he was like massive. I, I, that's probably the biggest body size deer I've ever ever gotten. I don't know what he weighed. I mean, I backpacked him out, had break him down, quarter him out, backpack him out, but uh, you know. Uh, you know, but he's, he was just massive, massive body. I would imagine weather's got to be a big factor hunting in that, uh, kind of elevation. It can change rapidly. Um, you know, and, and that's another thing, another key element that I figured out over the years that, uh, can get you in tight on those deer is when it, when you, when you actually get like a sleet storm or, you know, some sleet mixed with hail and rain in an afternoon storm, those deer will just lock down so tight. Uh, you know, if you know where they're at and you're making a stock, you can get, you, you can, you can get away with murder 
when when a sleet storm when one of the storms comes in because they just they literally will just bury up and will not move uh, you know until until the storm passes and uh, I've I've been able to use use that to to great advantage to get close to those deer up uh, up in that high country. Wow, that's that's a great great tip right there for sure. Um, what about the the coos deer, cow deer? I don't, I don't know how people pronounce it differently. Oh, coos. I we, well, I mean, I I grew up hunting those in Arizona, so I mean, I guess uh, I started hunting coos deer back in the eighties, <laughs> and actually, actually guided for a guy that you know, and, and you know, uh, several several times I've you know guided for coos deer. I've hunted them for many many years and. Uh, you know, that's, that's probably one of my favorite deer to hunt too, uh, in a lot of ways, just because I love the country and I love the time of year when you're down there in, in December and January, when it's just, just freaking uh, you know, cold anywhere else. It's just beautiful weather in that part of the world. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just love hunting them. I mean, probably the best way to hunt coos deer, I will say, you know, hands down is, is, is sitting on a, on a water hole, um, and shooting, you know, shooting your deer from either a blind or a tree stand on a water hole. Um, they're, they're really difficult to stalk. I, I've, I've lost a lot of arrows in Arizona and New Mexico playing arrows with them, trying to stalk them. They just are not there. When the arrow gets there, they aren't there <laughs> on a stalk. It's just, they're, they're very jumpy, very, very nervous little guys. Uh, you know, and, uh, but, but, you know, water holes and, and it's interesting I shot probably the best coos deer, my best coos deer ever, um, uh, out of a windmill. Um, there was a, there was a, it was out in kind of mesquite country, more, more mesquite country. And, and I'd seen these deer coming in to get water at this, uh, at a concrete trough that was getting fed by a windmill. So I, I thought, well, you know, I'll try something. And so I hung a tree stand in the windmill <laughs> Dang. and, uh, and sat there, and, and I'll be darned if it didn't work. <laughs> wow. So do do they inhabit very much habitat that encompasses timber? Uh, I have I have hunted coos deer in pine trees, uh, all the way down into the low desert where there's, you know, the mesquite trees are having trouble staying alive. Um, that the I would say that more, you'll see more coos deer numbers. Uh, where you get that mix of, of live oak trees with the acorns, uh-huh. uh, you know, right where it hits, right where it hits the, the, the open desert on the, on the low side. Uh, and then a lot, a lot of those Southern Arizona mountains have, have just, just massive amounts of, uh, live oak trees. Uh-huh. Um, and, and they, 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 the coos deer use those live oak trees a lot. And then some of the deep desert stuff, uh, I've hunted has been, that's where you really can focus on water is when I call deep desert, I'm saying you're hunting with saguaros and, and okatia and, you know, the, the little spindly cactuses and then, you know, choya and, um, and in that lower country, you, you can get a mix with some of the desert mule deer as well. It's kind of weird in Arizona, the, the coos deer go up to the high, really high country all the way up to probably 10,000 feet. Oh. Um, and then down in, down into the desert. And and the and, and everywhere in between, but the desert mule deer, the desert mule deer never really go up into the trees. They almost always stay down in in, in that more open mesquite. You know what you would think of as just desert. You know. Oh okay. <laughs> uh, 
which is which is the opposite of what I would think. I would think, man, why would yeah. a builder ever go up top? But but uh, it's, it's almost always coos deer up high, and and then builder will be low, and then a lot of places there's coos deer down low as well. Is it productive hunting them where they come together, or? Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, uh, some of the biggest coos deer I've ever seen have been in the lower country. Okay. Um, and the, uh, you know, in in the mesquite and Okatia and uh, you know, uh, which you know, there's also mule deer in that same area. So, so yeah. I mean, it, and it varies from mountain range to mountain range, and uh, you know, each one of those little mountain ranges down down in Arizona and New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico, I think, has fewer deer. Um, but, but Arizona really has a lot of, a lot of coos deer, okay. but each one of those mountain ranges is different. Um, you know, and, and the deer are different, they're in different places. So, uh, you know, you just kind of, kind of go around and, you know, figure out what the deer are doing and where they're at. Is the, are the javelina living in that lower country? Javelina are primarily in the lower stuff. You won't see them very often. You'll see them into the cedars, but not, not really, you know, you'll see them up into the cedar country and the oak country. Where, you, where, you, where it switches from mesquite and, and low desert up into the uh, up into the uh, oak trees and and uh, and cedars. Are are they using the same habitat as the coos deer? Like, are they do they coexist with each other? Or? Havelina? Oh yeah, yeah. You'll see javelina and coos deer together. Okay, that seems like it would be a good combo to go after. Yeah, candy. Candy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't hunt for that one. No, no. I, I've, I've some friends have done it. I've shot plenty of them growing up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to shoot anymore. Yeah, you've been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've had some friends who hunt them. They say they're a lot of fun. They kind of. They built. are fun. They're, they're made for bow hunting. They're, they're, they're just. I mean, they're just. They're easy to stalk. Uh, you get in close, and they're a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy just watching that land anymore. Yeah. I don't even have an urge to shoot one because they're they're just fun to watch. They've got a lot of character and they do funny little things and you know it's just they're, they're a whole lot of fun just to sit back and watch. Do you, do you still uh, head over to Arizona annually and and hunt at all or? I didn't make it down this year. Uh, see, last year it may have been. I don't know if I made it down. I did not go down in twenty twenty. I don't know if i'll make it this year we'll see i'm i'm trying to you know bury some things i, I think i've shot oh probably 12 coos deer or more <laughs> i don't know wow. you know, so I it's love hunting so it is uh, possible yeah so it is possible to get a get a coos deer with the stick bow oh absolutely well, like i said you know hunting water holes is really good there's a couple other tricks but uh, i don't yeah. know if i'll let on to too many of them <laughs> oh come on do share do share we're just helping our, our traditional traditional bow hunting brothers here well uh you hunt them like whitetails uh if you you know if you if you know how to hunt whitetails you can hunt coos deer coos deer make scrapes um you know and and in the rut you know you can you can use those. You can use those scrapes to great advantage. You can find a scrape that's got a tree in it that you can that you can uh, you know set a tree stand in. Especially like when you find those big community scrapes, they'll make big community scrapes where multiple bucks will come in and out. And uh, you know just set up a tree stand where you're overlooking. Look for scrapes. So like you would for whitetails. Is December a better time to scrape hunt them than January? 
they they will hit they will come through those scrapes uh, in January as well. Um, a lot of times in January they're they're more what I would call focused on chasing does and running, mm-hmm. but uh, but they do they, they do still come come through those. And I think part of that is um, part of that is they're you know they just you know the does will come in and check the scrapes, the bucks will come in and check the scrapes, and they, you know it's a social thing right. um, that they come in and out of. And that's why I was assuming December because it's kind of pre-rut and that maybe they'd be more active. Right. Yeah, I would say December would be more a better a better time. Yeah, uh, for, for hunting the scrapes. But uh, don't don't discount January either. Okay. You know another another thing is uh, funnels, and you can make your own funnel. You can you can make a funnel that uh, uh, you know by by using brush or you know get them to get them to use a specific trail. If you can you, you can brush out some areas to to kind of block some areas and make you know make them want to use you know they'll they'll, they'll tend to use a trail that you need to be you know you can set up on and if you're out there just walking around you see you know different deer trails and you're where there's good populations of, of deer um you know find a find a tree near a near a trail and then and then uh you can you can kind of funnel them to that by going in with a set of loppers and dropping some brush and in, in, in the other trails just have them come to your you know come to your tree tree stand set up but uh, that makes sense for sure. I uh, all these hunts are on my list of, you know, I've looked into them, researched them, just trying to find the time to start booking some of these time slots. Uh, that seems like a great thing to be doing in January. Well, the cool, the so, what's so cool about coos deer is is there's not much else going on. You're not hunting elk or other things. Uh, you know, in, the, in that December January time frame, there, you've got. You know, it's it's a it's the weather is usually great down there. It can be snowing, but for the most part, you're you're talking about really nice weather, um, and uh, you know, and 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 it's just it's just very enjoyable. I mean, take a shotgun and shoot quail. Um, the quail hunting in Arizona can be fabulous in places, um, you know, and just and it's just a, a good time to go down there and explore and look around and okay, this looks good. I'm seeing deer. Let's go find some way to set up on them try to figure out how to get a get a shot at them uh and after after you do it a few times you kind of get kind of get it down you know kind of some things down pat and you say okay uh once you kind of figure out how to get them you kind of go back to the same place and shoot a deer there every year you know mm, yeah so and it's 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 cheap i mean from a from a hunt standpoint i mean yeah. you're not paying an outfitter you don't have to pay an outfitter i wouldn't i wouldn't dream of paying an outfitter for keys deer or a desert mule deer and that's the other thing. You've got desert mule deer in that country, you know. And if you go into an area, and um, you know, you may have you may have some really good desert mule deer uh, in the same area you've got coos deer. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, so I mean, and by really good, I'm talking, you know, 160, 170 class uh, desert mule deer. Uh, you know. And, do uh, do they run together? Like if they run into each other, uh, they're fine with each other, or do they avoid no, each other? They they tend to be a little bit separate. Uh, you know, if you're finding mule deer, you're probably not where the coos deer are. Okay. If you're finding coos deer, there's probably I mean they're they're not typically in the same place. So, so uh, the coos deer, I mean, it's a little white-tailed deer. Are mm-hmm. and you uh, alluded to hunting 
growing up hunting whitetail in Texas and then hunting the Midwest states, um, even though they're all whitetail and they have, you know, biological, um, so I mean, they're basically the same animal, just in different habitats. Uh, do, do you, and you had mentioned that you, you know, hunt them the same. I mean, are you hunting the same or do you make different adjustments? Uh, you're always making adjustments. I mean, it's just, you know, you kind of, over the years, you kind of, I guess you get a bag of tricks and you just do different things and mm-hmm. you, know, you see a place and maybe it's a good place to, you know, I mean, uh, one of the, one of the things that I've learned over the years to keep with me, uh, you know, when I'm going and hunting a different area, looking around is a, is a good little folding saw, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and a, and a good, uh, pair of snips, I mean, mm-hmm. long handle snips. I'm, I'm talking, I want to be able to cut two inch diameter limbs mm-hmm. and I may throw a ground blind up, you know, say, Hey, this is, man, this is a good spot. This, you know, heck of a lot of trails coming together or you find a little seep on the side of the hill, um, or you're, you know, you're, you're glassing and you see the coos deer, you know, like hunting that coos deer country. You see deer going in to a certain spot in the middle of the day and you go, oh, I bet there's a seep right there. And you go go look at it and you take your whoppers with you and you build a ground blind just right there on the spot. Go ahead and just sit down and go hunting, you know. Um, you know, it's it, it just thinking about different ways to hunt uh, on the ground uh, or, you know, other places, uh, for example, like, like, Again, back to coos deer for for setting tree stands. It's like, okay, hey, there's a scrape. I, you know, and what's crazy is I hunted coos deer for probably 15 years before I ever even noticed that they made scrapes. I never thought about them making scrapes. I, you're actually the first guy. Yeah, you're the first guy I've ever heard bring that up. And you know, when I found a scrape, I'm like, this is a scrape, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going. Not only that, there's another one right here, another one right there. There's three of them right here, all together, and they're and they're big. I mean, they're like white tail size scrapes. And uh, yeah, set a tree stand there and killed a buck <laughs> the next day. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, and I, you know, I was like three miles into a wilderness, and I hiked back out, grabbed a tree stand, hiked it back in there, threw it up in a tree, and killed a deer. Wow, oh, that's pretty cool. That's super cool. So. You know, I mean, just just thinking about different ways that you know keep keep your mind open to, to variable, you know, what the variables are, how you can you know how do you, you know, does it take a ground blind? I mean, maybe it doesn't take a ground. But, you know, use I use my uh, I use a ghillie suit a lot, and and I mean it is amazing. You can just sit next to a bush, and you're you're invisible to those deer. Um, and, what and, what uh, a brand of ghillie suit do you use? Uh, I've got, I've got probably, I've got a couple of old Cabela's ones. I don't think they make any more, but, uh, and then I've got a Rancho Safari that I really like. The Rancho Safari is really good. Um, okay. You know, is it, is a ghillie so, suit uh, like a lot, a lot better than just like a leafy suit? I think they are. Um, the leafy suits, what I, what I've seen with most leafy suits, they, they, now they do make some that are, that are more open patterns but hunting in the west it seems like so much of this camouflage is too dark yeah uh, it looks like you're a black blob i like that asat um, myself asat asat would work um you know but uh, another one that would work really you know any any of those more open more gray patterns yeah 
um, not not you know the old tree bark stuff or the right. or the mossy oak stuff. That stuff you look like a black garbage can sitting. Yeah, there. I mean it just. Yeah. I mean you can't. Or a black they're, bear. They're just, I don't want to look like a black bear. Yeah, a black bear. <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to look like a black bear. No. Um, you know that, they don't like that either. So, but uh, but no, I mean I, I think uh, you know I think the ghillie suit helps a lot, uh, especially when you're hunting on the ground hunting ground, ground blinds and stuff like that, that, that really is a, an advantage. Um, you know, I don't really, I won't use it really in a tree stand, but I, but I will use it a, a lot in a, you know, hunting on the ground. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, while, while we're on equipment, why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, what you're using for your bow, arrow, quiver, broadhead type setup, and maybe okay. how it's changed sure. over the years too. I kind of like to know, like, guys like you that have been doing oh. this for a long time, kind of where you started and, and where you're at now. Oh my. Um, well, I started, started hunting with, uh, you know, with, with recurves and longbows and shifted to longbows probably, Oh, almost, uh, almost exclusively long, hunting with a longbow about 25 years ago. Um, I, you know, I, I just, a recurve is you i think it's less forgiving um in a you know in a hunting situation a, a longbow a longbow to me i can shoot it sideways and i can shoot it straight up and down or i can you know I, you know i can i can shoot it from you know with, i can shoot it with the bow turn turn horizontal or all the way to to vertical you know um and and still hit pretty darn close to where I, where I want to hit. Um, uh, the other thing is, uh, I can use it as a walking stick if I need to. Mm -hmm. Um, I can string it without a stringer. I don't worry about twisting the limbs. Um, that's a big one. I just throw it, you know, slide the string on, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no, no worry about twisting a limb and having the string start jumping off your bow. Um, you know, and, and some of these, some of these newer recurves, especially they're really sensitive to that because of, just their design they're, I mean, they're fast, right. Um, but they, but they tend to be more sensitive to how you string them. Sure. The, uh, you know, some of the older ones are less, much less so, um, you know, also and some of the older recurves, uh, you, you couldn't, you had to be very specific, very selective about what you put on for a string. You couldn't use, for example, a fast flight string on some of these older, you know, 1950s, 1960s, right. even even 1970s model uh, recurves. Uh, some of the newer ones are, are better, but um, but still, you've got to be. They're, they're more sensitive. Uh, a takedown and a takedown recurve is typically a two-piece, and you've got to carry an Allen wrench. Um, and and you know, after you after you run after a mountain lion for five or six miles chasing the dogs, and you get to you finally get to line up a tree, and you break you know you throw your pack on the ground you pull out your pull out your limbs and you're looking for your allen wrench and you can't find your allen wrench and you go huh guess we can let that one go uh can't yeah. shoot him because i can't put my bow together right <laughs> <laughs> you know uh sure. yeah i've been there uh, you know i mean it's just you know with a longbow it's just it's a it's you know it's, it's a really simple uh, you know it just makes it there's less to go wrong with it yeah, I I think uh, one of the biggest selling points, like you said, was the limb twist. 
Um, I've shot longbows forever, but presently shooting a recurve. And uh, I, when I was packing up uh, for a backpack hunt, I was like, oh, I'm going to need a stringer. Like normally I don't have to carry a stringer around, but now that I'm shooting a recurve, I got to pack a stringer mm -hmm. around because those lip, those limbs are, uh, you know, can be a, a lot more uh, sensitive to limb twist and whatnot. So right, yeah, those are those are some well, great points. I don't know the last the last time I tried I tried to shoot. I, I've got a I've got a just a gorgeous recurve, uh, Great Plains recurve, and I love it. I can, I take it to the range and I shoot it like a like a champ i mean I, I my if i'm keeping score i mean my scores are 25 to 30 percent higher with that bow than a, than any of my longbows but <laughs> in a hunting situation uh, maybe not so much uh, I, uh another high country mule deer story but i stalked in on a just a giant like a you know 195 class mule deer mm -hmm. sat up sat on him for for three and a half hours waiting on him to stand up um uh, you know, you're talking about the sun. Yeah, you got to watch out, you know, especially above tree line. You're up there, twelve thousand feet. Yeah, yeah, eleven, eleven five, twelve thousand feet. The sun's pretty brutal, and and I'm I'm literally set up twenty yards from this buck, and I've been watching it for three hours and uh, three and a half hours, and and he finally stands up, and I draw back, lock up, take my time, shoot, and I miss him. Oh. Got another arrow, missed him again. Oh. So, you know, First shot was about 15 yards. Second shot, about 20. Third shot, 30. Fourth shot, 40. Uh, fifth De shot, 40. De-quiver. And he just did that. And, and he finally, I, I, I emptied my quiver, and he never he never got spooked. <laughs> and he finally just uh, waited for him to walk over and get out of sight, and I went over and started gathering up arrows. And I almost threw a you know a $1,200 bow off the mountain. Um, and, you know, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Uh, and I was just, I was so mad. I, it was, it, I, you know, I, I, you know, went back home and said, I just can't believe this. I was shooting this bow like a champion. What's going on? Went in the backyard, shoot, shoot at my targets, just dead center. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, what in the world? And I, I was like, wow, why did I miss that? I completely missed a deer at 15 yards. I'm like, got your hair on it. Um, uh, well, five, so five times. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go get my longbow and I shoot it and I'm like, okay, hit the, you know, I'm hit, hit you know, center, you know, center shot, you know, targets around the yard. Okay. Well, what the heck is going on here? And then I thought, uh-oh, I wonder if I, you hold a, a recurve differently with a recurve, you're yes. holding your hand straight out. Absolutely. Um, you, you have a straight wrist on a longbow. You break your wrist. Yeah. And I said, I wonder what it does if I push my wrist into it like I like I do with my longbow. And so I did that, and I missed the target at twenty yards. Boom! Exactly. Oh. Yep. It, it shot the same place I'd missed that deer at twenty yards. Feet off. Yeah. Oh. I, when I transitioned from a longbow to recurve, changing the way you hold the bow was the hardest part. Like, um, you, you know, like you said, your high wrist versus pushing your palm into that bow it's it's a totally yep. different grip and you you get different results for sure right well and you know so i was like well i'll take the i'll take the longbow out today you know or this e evening and i went out that evening and i you know center punched a bull bull elk at 45 yards right in the heart and i was like yep i just need to hunt with a longbow and quit messing with that damn reacher <laughs> <laughs> too complex <laughs> too complex oh, that's awesome 
Uh, so what is your, uh, what's your longbow collection look like? Oh my gosh. I'm looking up on top of there right now. I don't know. I've got a pile of, uh, <laughs> I probably have just looking at the end here on probably a dozen longbows up there on the, on top. I probably have, yeah, probably a dozen different longbows. What, uh, what, what are the flavors? Oh, I've got uh, black widow. I've got, uh, Oh, I've got two Black Widow longbows. I've got a couple of, I've got one that was made for me by a friend. I've got, uh, I don't even know what some of these are. I've got one that's a carbon limb thing. That's a tremendous bow. I'll, I'll probably give to my son. Uh, but then, and I've got, I've got two takedown Black Widows. That's my takedown Black Widows are really my traveling bows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two piece Black, you know, those two piece bows. You can slide them apart, yep. put them in, put them in your duffel bag with your arrows and everything yep. in one place. It's pretty slick. My my recurve's a two piece. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a, you know, a two piece is awesome. Um, so, I just I've got a wide variety there. I've got I don't know how many recurves. I'm just looking here. One, two, three, four. Probably got about six or seven recurves. Uh, but uh, my primary bows I hunt with are. are one that the bow that I hunt with the most is the one I made. Um, one that I made uh, made that bow back in 2000, and uh, uh, you know, first time I'd ever attempted it, and, and I'm, I'm just happy it stayed together and it keeps keeps killing stuff. I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> is it similar in design to your Black Widow as far as limb design, or no? It's a different. It's actually more of a, it's a reverse handle. Um, layup that's uh it's it's almost what i would call more of a uh a transition bow between a recurve and a, and a long bow it's you know or, or a hybrid, hybrid bow i mm-hmm. guess you would call it yep yeah uh and you know i made that bow a friend of mine had a, had had the, all the stuff and i said hey i'll come down there and build a bow so i went down there and built a bow uh first got it got it finished up and and another buddy says, you know, hey, you want to go shoot a buffalo? And I said, sure. Uh, and so first thing I shot with that bow, bow was a buffalo. Oh, where, <laughs> it <worked great. laughs> where was that at? In Colorado. In Colorado? Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, it was just ranch buffalo, but uh-huh. I didn't know it was yeah. still buffalo. Heck yeah. Uh, the crazy good. thing was, you know, he, he was hunting with a compound. I think he, he ended up shooting that, his buffalo like three times with his compound and finally got it. Um, and then, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm up next and I'm like, Ooh, man, I'm out here with a longbow. This is going to be bad. <laughs> you know, get up on the herd again. And, and it was a, you know, there was a bull standing there and I said, well, and you know, we, we were looking at either a bull or a, a young bull or a cow. And I, I asked the rancher, I said, can I shoot that one? He says, yeah. I said, same price. And yeah. Okay. And he said, well, there's one behind it. I, I turned around. I remember turning around looking at it. I started laughing. I said, you see what I'm shooting? And he kind of laughed. He says, yeah, I guess so. Go ahead and shoot him. I said, well, let me look. And I get down and I'm, I get a little closer and I'm looking underneath him and I see that there was a cow behind him and, he, and a cow cleared from behind him. And I draw back and shoot. And he goes, he goes, did you just shoot? And I said, yeah. So which one did you shoot? And he said, that one. And it went down. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> he says, Where's your? He said, I didn't see an arrow in it. Where, I, he said, I didn't see you shoot. He said, I was expecting you to draw back and shoot, you know, and sit there for a minute. He said, I was looking around and I look over. 
And you're, you know, all of a sudden they, they kind of go running off and they said, I wasn't sure what happened. They said, it happened. That, that was fast. And I said, well, I said, oh, there's my arrow. And I, and I looked like I, over and there was snow on the ground. I could see this bright, bright red circle out in the snow on the other side, you know, like 20 yards on the other side of where that, that buffalo had been standing. And I said, oh, I'm glad you told me not to shoot when that other buffalo was behind him. Behind oh, him. Man. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, look at where my arrow is. And he goes, jeez. And he looks at my bow and says, "I can't believe it just did that." Dang. Well, so let's let's talk about arrows now. What what was that setup? That setup was a. Uh, I had taken a carbon. I remember the arrow it was a Carbon Express two fifty, and I put weight to a weight tube in it, and then uh, uh, so Carbon Express cut it twenty twenty nine and a quarter inches with uh, 250 grain broadhead. Total arrow weight was right at 680 or 700. Yeah, that's how, right in there. That's how I roll. I like, and, I like 700. What, what, what was the broadhead? That was, a, that was an old Magnus two-blade. Man, back in those days, this is a long time ago. This, uh-huh. You know, this is 2000. You could hardly find heavy broadheads. You right. Could, I mean, there were a couple of places you could find them, you know, uh, but, but they were difficult, and there, and there weren't many... You know, like you look at three rivers, I mean, 150s were big broadheads. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, so so finding a 200 or 250 grain broadhead, uh, you know, I, I built it up myself. I, I ordered some uh, 100 grain uh, steel inserts and or 125 grain steel inserts and then, and then about, you know, tuned up the arrow to work with, uh, you know, off that bow to fly well, uh, you know, with that with that setup. And uh, it just it. I mean, I was I was blown away. Uh, that that arrow broke a rib going in and a rib going out, uh, and didn't even slow down. I mean, yeah. Center punched a rib going center punched a rib going out and just shattered it. Yep. And and I was and when I when I saw the what it what the damage it did, I was just blown away. Um, you know, very impressive. Very. So, yeah, that's awesome. You know, heavy arrows heavy arrows definitely work. I mean, now I'll I'll, I'll Say you know the, the heavy arrows definitely work, but but for spot and stalk hunting, like most of the hunting I do, I, I tend to want a, a lighter arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've shot, uh, I've put a, I don't even know how many elk in the freezer with 425 grain arrows. No kidding. Uh, shooting a, yeah, I, I've I've shot completely through elk with a with a big old inch and a half diameter cutting, you know, three blade snuffer. Uh, and and on elk and shoot them with a 425 425 grain arrow and I blown right through them. What poundage? Sixty pounds. I like I like sixty pounds seems to be my sweet spot. Fifty five. I like fifty five pounds. Fifty fifty five pounds on a recurve, but all my longbows are right in that sixty sixty pound range. So, I mean, I realize that's a really light arrow for that for that you know that draw weight, but. You know, uh, they work. I mean, right now I'm, I'm it's like, primarily. That's like ahead. it's like eight grains per pound. I think that's like that the very bottom oh, end. I imagine. Do. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. fast. I imagine. It's pretty quick. I mean, but but a lot of times you you end up having to take a little longer shot. I mean, you know, it's hard to make a forty yard shot with a seven hundred grain arrow. Sure. You know, sure. And and a lot of my shots, a lot of my shots when I'm when I'm spotting stalk hunting, I mean, I'm I'm uh, you know, particularly on the mule deer. The mule deer tend to be a long shot. Oh, uh, elk less so. Uh, most right. of my elk are under you know 
25 to 20 yards. Sure. Uh, or less. Um, but, uh, you know, that big elk that I shot a couple of years ago, um, I think, I think I was using a 500 grain arrow with a 200 grain cutthroat. That was a yeah, 200 grain cutthroat. Uh, the total arrow weight was right at 500 grains. Um, and so my, my current arrows I've been using uh, carbon arrows. I, I, I go back, go back a ways. I was, I was a very late holdout on switching over to aluminum. Uh, uh, you know, and carbon. I just felt like wood arrows were, you know, if I'm going to hunt with a longbow, you know, traditional hunting, I'm going to use wood arrows. But now you're, now you're uh, talking, uh, now you're talking my language. We're, we're real big into wood yeah, arrows so, out this way. I, you know, I, I, and I love wood arrows. I mean, I was just a wood arrow and I was like, ah, I don't know my wood arrows work. And, and then uh, a good friend of mine, Nathan Anderson, he, he's like, oh, you got to, you got to go to aluminum. You got to use these aluminum arrows or, you, you know, you, you know, you're using these arrows that are going out there like a rainbow. Man, these things fly like a dart, and you get a lot. You know, you can shoot a lot further. And uh, you know, he said, that's really going to help you. I'm like, okay, well, I switched to aluminum for a while, but aluminum's of course bend. Uh, yep. You know, but they they worked well. I, I killed a few animals with them, and, uh, but then when when carbons started really taking off. Uh, you know, again, Nathan Anderson, he's like, ah, you need to go to carbon. <laughs> like, nah, I don't want to. And, you know, I was kind of held up for a few years and then, uh, and then finally, uh, switched over to the carbon arrows and I really haven't looked back. I mean, that's, gosh, that's, uh, that's funny. So Cause it's, awesome. it's the difference in generation. You know, I, I started with carbon arrows and then yeah. played with some aluminum arrows and all my friends are like, dude, when are you going to start shooting wood arrows? Like, what's your deal? What's your problem? And I, I drug my feet forever. Oh, I, you guys and your wood arrows. And then I tried some and I've been hook, line and sinker ever since. I just love wood arrows. I, you know, I, I still love wood arrows, uh, but I just don't use them. I, I don't yeah. use them anymore for hunting. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the penetration difference to me is about, ugh, it's night and day. Uh, well, so far, you know. knock on wood, I've had nothing but pass-throughs with wood arrows. Hmm. Um, okay. But sure. you're using a really heavy arrow. That's a, that's yes. a plus. Yeah. You, heavy you know, arrow. That, that, yep. And, and uh, I think that wood arrows have a little bit of a bad rap because of the availability. Um, I know, like, there's a lot of cedars being produced nowadays that are really low quality. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I shoot a Sherwood shaft. Um, it's a, a premium grade Douglas fir. They tail taper them to five sixteenths. Um, nice. uh, I put a really nice oil based finish on them. They're slick and smooth like a carbon. Mm -hmm. Um, they'll hold up to the weather. I've left arrows, uh, on accident, you know, lost an arrow outdoors at a 3d course and found it nine months later and the rain that I live in and the arrow is still in oh. great condition. You know, the feathers <laughs> are, are gone, wilted over, but the shaft yeah. is still sealed. So I, I'm, wow. I'm a big proponent of them. I, I, I just, uh, there's a, there's a soul to them that I like. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I was, I was just, that was, I've I still got all of my, all of my tools. And uh, no, I'll take that back. I don't think I've got my spine tester anymore. But I've still got all the, you know, all the tools to make, make and paint and, and dip and crest and all of that stuff for my wood arrows. But well, you, know, you don't need. Just, it takes a lot of time and effort that I just, you know, I'd rather just go out, you know, and shoot 
<laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I've heard that. But like I say, I just call Sherwood Shafts, and they they show up to my door already spined, uh, already within yeah. five grains. They're got point tapers, knock tapers. They got tail tapers. All I have to do is seal them and fletch them. Wow. So it's it's uh it's come a long ways. You don't have to buy a box of a hundred and sort through them well, and like like <laughs> that's the, what I grew up doing. Yeah, and I would sort them and spine them and yeah, and then, I'd, and then you know, and then half of them I'd throw away. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Um, so that was you know, a, and, and it, so. So you're you're, you're welcome, Carson. Yeah. You're welcome, Carson Brown. There's a nice advertisement for Sherwood Shafts. We snuck right into the middle of the show. <laughs> there you go. There you there go. go. There you go. Oh. I, you know, I could, you know, I, I would, I will shoot woods. I still shoot woods off myself, folks. Uh-huh. I will say that. I, I still shoot, uh, you know, I'll shoot. I just, I just don't, I don't know. For some reason, I won't shoot a, uh, I've tried shooting carbons off the, off the self bows, but the, but I can get the, the woods fly better. Uh, you know, why is that? Probably spine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I can't get the, sp- I can't get enough weight up front to get the spine tuned down on right. the self bow. To get them uh, to get them to, to fly well. I think that that's a, uh, but, another plus to what arrows is the the huge variance in spine availability. You know, you know, mm-hmm. jumping from a 250, 300, 340. You know, carbons have five or six spine classes, where wood have yeah. twenty five spine classes. Right, right, and and you know, I've got I, you know, I, I still still hunt with self bows too. You do. I've got several, several in the works too. <laughs> nice uh, Osage, or I really need to... Osage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, have you? Yeah, Osage is easier to get over here than you know. You, you guys have got got some of that uh, on the on the west coast over there. You've got specific U that yeah. that's, makes a beautiful bow as well. It sure does. Um, but uh, Osage is certainly a good, definitely a, uh, it's king wood for for making a making a bow, you know. Yeah, for sure, yeah. definitely. Do you, so you go out and hunt some whitetails or mule deer and stuff with your self bows or? I, I, you know, I, I use, uh, let's see, what have I, I've shot an, a couple of elk. Um, and I've shot, let me think, I've shot two elk, a black bear, a couple of whitetails, axis deer, fallow deer, uh, so just yeah, a couple, couple, couple critters, couple critters. Yeah, a few with a with a self bow. I just yeah, you know, sometimes I, you know get the urge and I get out there and it's like yeah, it's time to time to break out break out the old Osage bow and go hunting. You know, one thing I'm there's a there's a a guy in Florida, uh, killed I can't remember his name. He's got a business and he he, he makes some of the most beautiful. Oh, Ryan Gill. Uh, Ryan Gill. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm going to order some of his uh, his arrows. Now, the stone points are illegal in Colorado, and oh. that really ticks me off. Oh, I didn't um, know that. But uh, but I I really really want to shoot an elk with a with a with one of you know with a with a, a truly traditional Indian style you know cane yep. river cane and and the whole thing that point yeah yeah and I mean I've shot I've shot some animals in Texas with flint nap you know with nap points. Uh, that I nap myself, but his his points are off the hook. I, you know, I'm like, why would I waste my time? I'll just order them from him. Right. I mean, I can I can break I can break rocks for a month and finally get a point that might work. Sure. You know, his are just ooh, incredible. Yeah, amazing. Um, so, uh, another guy that uh, does some really awesome flint napping um, is uh, Bill McConnell. 
out of Montana. We've had him on the show. He he uh, he uh, he's the real deal. He hunts with that primitive equipment, ocean spray, all that stuff. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I've noticed but, through. You know, I'm... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I mean, I've shot, I've shot so many mule deer and so many elk that you know, to me, it's like God. I need another challenge. Sure. <laughs> you know? sure. It's like you know what I'm saying, and and uh, and to do it with one of those kind of arrows and. You know, I, I actually called uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Gill. Ryan Gill. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I talked I talked with him a couple of years ago, and I was like, man, if I could just and I and I've tried to talk this through with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and and you know, actually got it on their you know in front of them, and they just shot it down. That you know, oh, yeah, that, that's that's that that you know what you know you got to use steel points, and I'm like, well, uh, you know, if if stone points we're ineffective. Nobody, none of us would be sitting here right now. Because oh, guess what? Yeah. All of us, all of us, at, somewhere in our history, um, had food on the table with stone points for tens of thousands oh, of years. Oh, I've so, got friends that hunt with them. I got a friend that killed a really nice black tail buck this year with a stone point. Oof, um, so yeah, cool. yeah. So it, it, it uh, it's pretty cool. I know Oregon, bring your stone points to Oregon. We allow it. So, oh, yeah. um, and I've also noticed by looking at uh, at uh, on your Instagram page uh, that you don't run a bow quiver. Um, is that pretty much like all your setups? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I, I go back and forth on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I like I like a bow quiver for a lot of a lot of the hunting I do, but but for other hunting, I really like a side quiver. I like that, uh, that safari tough quiver is awesome. Cause it keeps your, your fletchings don't get wet. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're protected. Um, and you can carry more arrows, yeah. uh, particularly on traveling hunts. When I go to travel somewhere, I'll use that safari tough quiver. I will, I will put my arrows in there. I'll take the broadheads off, put them in a box, uh, separate so that they don't get dulled. Uh, and then I'll put my bow in with, in in that so i'll have my bow and my arrows all in one thing and i just shove that in my bag and i'm ready to go if i'm if i'm backpack hunting a, uh, i prefer having a, a a bow quiver um just in colorado you know it's just we don't most of our weather is not bad enough to really worry about i mean even if we get a little bit of rain it's no big deal it's just not gonna i have be dry in 15 minutes i have their smaller one i think it's the diker diker i think that's how you pronounce it yeah um, yeah. and diker. diker, yeah, it's a great little quiver. I, I like to use it with my uh, D shaped longbow because I really hate having mm -hmm. a quiver hooked to that particular bow. It's like putting a, mm -hmm. it's like putting a self, uh, a quiver on a self bow. It just doesn't really work out too well. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I found you, I mean, I seen you on Instagram before and, oh, you know what, before we get into this, before we get into this. Yeah. Um, sure. we, we were supposed to have Bob on this one and, uh, Bob wasn't able to make it. And it turns out, I know you've actually talked to Bob in the past about, uh, some politics in Colorado. So let's get into that. Uh, maybe talk a, a little sure. bit about the politics and bow hunting in, in Colorado and how you're involved in, and, uh, what the, the climate is there right now. Yeah, sure. Well, um, so I'm a life member of a number of organizations, Compton Bow Hunting. I was a charter life life member with Compton uh, for traditional bow hunting. Uh, I'm a life member of Colorado Bow Hunters Association, life member of Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett, 
um, mule deer foundation, uh, foundation for wild sheep, uh, Alaska bow hunters. Uh, you know, so, so I'm uh, very conservation minded, very, you know, very involved in, in, uh, you know, and learning more and trying, you know, trying to be part of the community that's, that's doing more, not just for me or for bow hunters, but for everybody. That's awesome. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I look at I look at our hunting season structures and and how they how they impact the the resources and how they how they you know and 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 try to look at it as how do we how do we improve uh, you know what we've got out there. I mean, we've got the greatest. I, I've I've lived out of I've lived overseas. I've lived in South America and other places where there is no conservation ethic, and uh, I've seen what it does. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, we, we've got, we live in the greatest, greatest place in the world. I mean, the United States, at least for now, I mean, <laughs> who knows, who knows, but, uh, at least for now, I mean, and what we've had, what, what our grandparents and great grandparents have had, you know, sportsmen have just been so amazing for, uh, for bringing back species and, and, and improving habitat and, and you know our money go you know money for buying you know firearms and bows and you know part of that there's a tax that, that that's applied to that that helps to improve I, habitat to I, do things I, to improve things well i just i agree with you amazing. yeah i agree with you on the Pittman robertson act and the dingle johnson mm-hmm. and and all that that i mean we are supporting them but that's not enough. Like, to, if you're an outdoorsman, if you're right. a hunter, fisherman, and you think that you're doing your job by buying ammunition and paying a tax or buying a tag, no, you're not. You're not, not a conservationist. You need to be involved, like you oh. are. You you've got to put your your money and your time where your mouth is. And and so I applaud you for that. Um, sorry for interrupting. I just really wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and I and I, I in Colorado, I've gone to, to and I've gone. I've gone to commissioners' meetings in New Mexico and Colorado and Arizona, uh, you know, over the years, and and in Colorado in particular, we, we've got a, a strange. It, it has changed dramatically since I, I moved into Colorado. Uh, you know, the population has doubled three times since I've been since I moved to Colorado. Um, so so we've become a much much more urbanized society. And and the people that are living in the cities in the front range basically drive the politics. Um, you know, we just recently had a had a a, a, a vote on on. You know, I, I won't say I won't say reintroduction. I will say introduction of wolves because the wolves that were in this part of the world were not the wolves they're talking about bringing in. Um, and and you know this is something that the you know the federal wildlife you know. The, Feds have said, you know, Colorado doesn't need wolves. Um, you know, they've got the wolves in, the, in, in Arizona, New Mexico, the Mexican red wolf. They've got wolves reestablished in Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, you know, to the point where, I mean, they're becoming a vermin again. Um, and, and you know, the, you know so, but, but the people in Colorado voted to bring in wolves. And it's because they, they don't have an understanding of, of what role and, and you know what role the, the sportsmen have and what role we have to to, to and, and how 
how we ensure that we have, I mean, they say, oh, you just go out and kill animals. Well, we do, and we eat those animals, and, and we, we, you know, we, we, we're happy about it. We, you know, and, oh, how can you, you know, you're just a trophy hunter. Well, no, I mean, here, try some sausage or try, here, try this. You know, this is why I hunt. I hunt, I hunt because I love to eat it, uh, the main part. But, you know, yeah, I try to get a mature animal, and if I don't, I don't fill my tag. Yeah, it's so, it's the I mean, there's many years there's many I, if I were to show you the pile of unfilled tags next to the pile of filled tags, you'd be shocked. Right, um, traditional and, bow hunting. You know, yeah. And, and, and I'm giving them every chance I can because you know I, I enjoy learning more about the species, learning more about their habits and habitat, and 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 you know matching my wits with them to be to, to be able to get close, but. You know, so so again, you know, some of the politics have you know, have changed due to the population changes, but even even within the the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, their management strategies uh, that they tend to manage so that they can gain the most income. And Colorado, Colorado, I don't, you know, I don't know if you know, but they they make more than any two Western states combined, maybe three. Off of elk For alone, I imagine. Of, and it's and it's primarily elk. Yeah, yeah. elk's their cash cow, and and like some of some of the old guys around here say, yeah, they'd sell they'd sell a million tags for the last elk in, in the state. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they literally would if they could sell a million tags for the last elk, they would. Yeah, it and, seems like common yeah. sense just doesn't exist amongst these bleeding hearts in the concrete jungle. No, and 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 there's. You know, mule deer management is, you know, mule deer's, the reason I moved to Colorado was because of mule deer. I didn't, I didn't move here because of elk. I, I moved here because of the mule deer hunting, uh, because Colorado has the best genetics in the world for mule deer. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, for many years, I lived right in the heart of it. And so I got, I got to hunt bucks that I, you know, I, I loosed arrows at, at bucks that would, would scratch the world record, um, you know several times you know, on, on different occasions and, and, you know, didn't connect, but Hey, that's okay. I got, I got the experience. I know what the, you know, <laughs> I got yeah. the feel, yep. uh, you know, and, and now, I mean, we, we, so, so in the, in the, in the nineties, we went to a full draw system for, for deer because sportsmen were saying, look, we don't have any deer. We're, we're out of, de- you know, this unlimited over the counter hunts, our, our deer numbers are just in the tank. We, we don't have deer. And, uh, you know, and so sportsmen got together and, and petitioned the Wildlife Commission to, you know, put, put the deer hunts all on draw, draw only. Well, since that time, you know, they, they have, I, I've seen the deer numbers decline. And I'm going, this is crazy. And, and, and you know, we put, we, we, we put all of the, all of the deer licenses are now draw. And yet now we've got less deer than we had before. Was CWD a factor? Uh, CWD is a bit of a factor, and part of that in northern Colorado, this over the last two, well, two years ago, they changed the plan to increase the buck harvest in the northern units uh, north of I-70. And some of these units are, are historically, you know, produced giant deer. Um, but their, their focus is on killing off the mature mule deer. Because they say, oh, the mature mule deer are spreading CWD, so they doubled the rifle tags, and and strangely to me, they cut the archery tags, which boggles my mind. Hmm. 
and that, you know, that was their plan. I was like, well, why? And then, uh, uh, they, uh, you know, they, uh, so that, you know, with, with that program, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're multiple leftover licenses for even third season where the deer are getting into the rut, uh, kind of time frames, and, and it's like for rifle hunters. And so they've really, they've really hurt the, 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 in my opinion, they've really knocked back the mature mule deer bucks, uh, in Northern Colorado over the last couple of years. Um, and, and it's just sad. I mean, it's like, well, wow, you know, and I, I don't know that that's going to, in my opinion, it's going to, it's going to actually hurt CWD because, uh, the younger bucks, the, you know, the two year old, you know, two year old bucks, little four corn bucks, they're going to, they're going to still breed the does and, you know, they're going to, they're going to march around and they're going to breed this doe group and that doe group. And they're just going to keep traveling until, and the does will come back into heat month after month. So, you know, that's going to extend the rut and the, the, the fawns will be hitting the ground too late. Uh, so they won't make the winter. And then, you know, the, the, I think that CWD is going to get spread actually more with this program than it would be if they were to back off of the mature buck harvest and, 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 you know, if you backed off of it, you'd have, you know, one mature buck in this drainage and one over here in this drainage. And he knows that that buck, that there's a big buck over the next drainage. He's not going to go over there and fight somebody when he's got his does right here. He can breed them and be happy. Right. You know, it seems like it's going to cause more traveling of, of those younger age class deer. They're going to spread it even more. Mm-hmm. But and the and young- in the meantime, it's just going to destroy our deer herd. And because the younger bucks are, are, definitely don't have the skill set uh to get the breedings done successfully time in and time out so it well, seems and, like and just fawns hitting late and yeah. and more traveling because you've got you know one young buck that he's got he's going to travel many many miles himself just to to you know because during the ride he's going to he's going to start traveling right uh you know and he's going to you know he's just going to you know, travel and, and spread CW. Once he catches it, then you can spread it to the does. You guys controlled 13 or 16 units for elk last year for the first time. Is that? Well, the elk units. Now, here's the crazy thing with elk. Um, over the last, well, the first time this happened was in the flat tops. And, and there was a, uh, you know, this, this outcry that bow hunters were pushing all the elk down to private land and, and, they, and so they, this was back in the 90s, actually, late 90s. And so they, they said, well, we're going to do a study area in the flat tops units. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll make it draw for archery. And we're going to do this. It's going to be a three-year study. And we're going to see if it impacts the elk going down to private lands. Well, the three years went by and they said, well, we're just going to leave it draw for archery. Well, it's over the counter for, for rifle. So unlimited tags over the counter for rifle. Uh, for first season, second season, third season. <laughs> okay. So they, so they so they have unlimited tags for rifle hunters. Anybody can come drive up and buy a tag from anywhere. Uh, and and yet they limited the uh, the archery hunters. Uh, and I said, well, has any? Where's the study? I'm going to read the study. I'm going to see what what you found. Oh well. Yeah, we found that there really, you know, that there really wasn't that much, you know, or you know, limiting bow hunters when we when we cut the bow hunters way back, that the elk still moved to the same places. Okay, so why aren't we going to just go ahead and open it back up to over the counter archery? 
your, your over-the-counter unlimited rifle hunts, so why not archery? Well, you know, we'll just leave it like this because, you know, it works. I mean, it works. You know, anyway, so, so, so then a couple of years ago, they, you know, the, well, and I'll back up. So in Eagle County, in Eagle County units, they had, and, and I hunted Eagle County units uh, for deer and elk uh, uh, quite a bit. And, and they, but they had an early a September rifle season right on top of the bow hunters um, and on public lands. And they also had uh, a, a, an extended elk season rifle season and these cattle only but you know they're rifle hunting and they're killing elk um cow only uh, on public and in september and then they had uh, uh, a season that started mid like august the 15th before bow season all the way through uh january uh on private lands in, in eagle county for cow elk um and they ran that for quite a few years well like Two years ago or three years ago, there was a panic. Why? Said, oh, our elk numbers are just. Why would they run rifle cow hunts our during archery season? Why? Uh, it's Colorado, uh, so so they're like, oh my god, you know, we, we, you know, our elk our elk numbers have plummeted. We had twenty five thousand elk in these units, and now they're down to two thousand on the last count. Oh my god, we have got to do something. <laughs> so they finally uh, they finally. Uh, said okay, well we're gonna we're gonna uh, reduce, not do away with, reduce the September public land um, cow elk, and uh, they did not reduce at all the private land cow elk. And then they they made the archery. They said, well, you know, archery hunters are killing cows. We can't have that happening. So, you know, so they they made it bull only and they made it draw only. Wait a minute. They and took said, well, the they took the, the cow. So what about the over-the-counter? Well, over-the-counter rifle hunters are still unlimited. What? So wait a minute. You can shoot yes. a cow elk <laughs> with a rifle during September, but not with a bow in the yep. same unit? Yep. Dang. Um, the folks in Colorado sound like they aren't We're fond of bow them. hunters. No. they, they tend, I, 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 tell, I tell folks, man, they hate bow hunters in the state. I mean... And we've got some great bow hunters in this state. That, yes, some of know, some I mean, of the and, very and best. We've got a very, and we've got a very vocal, very you know, very you know, a very large group with the Colorado Bow Hunters Association that, that, that's a really you know that's really active. I mean, there's somebody with Colorado Bow Hunters Association at every commissioners meeting, at every sportsman's roundtable, at every um, you know every meeting where they're making any decisions. And they listen to color. They or they don't. I don't know if they listen. They just kind of nod their heads, and then they go off. And it seems like they just go off and do something that, that hurts bow hunting. Uh, I've just seen it, every, you know, year after year here in this state. Um, you know, one of the things that we, you know, we, we've we've been working on, at least some of us within Colorado bow hunter or Colorado traditional bow hunters, is trying to get you know some time for. For traditional only and i don't know if it'll happen in the state uh, you know they you know like i said I, I you know i brought brought up about using stone points uh you know i brought up about you know uh, about uh you know in commissioners meetings uh about having a uh traditional only season and then boy they and the colorado bow hunters association is is adamantly against a traditional only season 
Well, um, I think that could change. We we had the same uh, kickback here from the modern archery guys, and um, eventually mm-hmm. they came to their senses and they real they came to the realization that we're not going to gain any more season. And matter of fact, mm-hmm. we're going to lose season. We're going to lose opportunity. And why not set aside a unit here and a unit there for traditional only? That's not for you. That's not for me. That's for everybody. As we've done this here in Oregon, what we've seen is half participation in the traditional only seasons are compound guys picking up their grandpa's recurve or purchasing a new longbow or recurve and Mm -hmm. taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, So it's not Mm -hmm. just some season for a bunch of you know uh old school bow hunters no it's it 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 creates an opportunity a primitive archery season an opportunity to guys that are willing to you know take less into the woods to have an opportunity to go hunting and i think it's the future of keeping some general seasons especially when we talk about elk hunting in the west because uh, everybody's looking to control and we're soon going to be in a situation where because of ease of entry, uh, elk hunting is going to be something we do every three or four years, not every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and it's just so, uh, I mean, right now they, they made a, they made a, uh, so, so they made a change to our season structure recently last year. Yes. That now the archery season starts on the 2nd of September rather than the last weekend of uh, August. Uh-huh. It had, you know, for many, many years, it had been the last weekend in August. And, you know, I made the argument in the commissioner's meetings and at the Parks and Wildlife and special meetings and, you know, multiple meetings that, you know, why don't we keep, you know, if, if, we, if we're, if we're going to move it back to the 2nd, can we move archery deer forward a week? Right, and so I can hunt archery deer starting middle of August. The Colorado Bowhunters Association was pushing for this, you know, to move the, and it was actually to start on the first, you know, to move it to start on the first of September, so that they could get um, that later, you know, have more time in the rut. Um, and, and you know, I said, well, that's fine and dandy. Well, why do we have to have deer and elk start at the same time? Because that's going to kill me for high country deer hunting. Right. I mean, every day I lose uh, before the, when they rub out when they rub velvet off in the high country, they vanish. They yeah. just go totally gone. Um, and 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 so you know they just cut days out of my season for deer hunting. Man, I and, I could see a potential for a two week uh, early start for guys hunting with traditional equipment. That would be uh, oh. something great to to per, to go after. Well, well, see the other the other factor in that is that rifle bear season starts on the 2nd of September. So we currently in Colorado have rifle, we have rifle hunters in the field every day of the archery season. Dang. We've got, like I had said earlier, we do have some early cow rifle seasons. Um, most, I think all of those now are on private land. There may still be some public land ones. Uh, but then we also have the, the number of rifle hunters and that, that was one of the arguments we, we were having at, at the Colorado Parks and Wildlife was that, you know, hey, these seasons are getting really crowded. Um, you know, and they said, well, oh, well, we'll limit the bow hunters. 
said, no, 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 it's not the bow hunters that are crowded. There are more rifle hunters and muzzleloader hunters in September out there than there are bow hunters. And that that's 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 scary. It, it's scary to think about, but put the numbers down on how many tags they issue for muzzleloader, rifle bear, you know, muzzleloader tags for deer elk, um, rifle bear. Uh, there's some other overlapping rifle seasons, uh, antelope in September, uh, uh, and then and then sheep and goats. Uh, you know, but they don't really have as much of an impact. And then early buck seasons in September with their high-powered rifle. I mean, you you add all these up. How many rifle and muzzleloader tags are there in September? There are more tags issued for rifle and muzzleloader in September in Colorado than there are archery. Holy moly. I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you guys have got a, a, a tough battle ahead of you. Um, do you guys have any active um, proposals to make any changes currently? Nothing active. Um, you know, there's some other guys within Colorado uh, Traditional Archer Society. Myself is one and a couple of others that, that keep bringing this up and saying, look, wait, we, we've got to start doing something here to get get some get an archery season in place we've lost yeah we don't have a bow season anymore it's a it's a rifle season and you can go out there and hunt with the rifle guys kind of is what it feels like to me well um, give us some time some sometime in here that uh that, that we can we can have it you know some some quiet time well, I, I beg you uh, not to give up the good fight and i and i beg anyone that's listening that lives in the state of colorado to get involved, you know, um, oh, yeah, we're just talking about it, but, um, you know, guys like you that are, uh, members to all of your outdoor or outdoor organizations and are going to meetings and, you know, uh, we don't need more hunters. We need more active hunters. We need better hunters on the landscape. I, I don't think we need more of them. I think we need, uh, to represent ourselves better. Um, we need a better quality hunter, um, versus, uh, you know, quantity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, uh, kind of alluded to, uh, earlier in the podcast, but we are kind of wanting to save what I'm going to call the best for last. Um, <laughs> I found you, uh, uh, like I said earlier, I'd found you on Instagram and I'd seen you on there and I know Bob had actually talked, uh, bow hunting politics on the phone with you a couple times. Um, but you had one heck of a season here in my home state. You dirty <laughs> non-residents oh. coming in and taking our big bucks home with you. Oh, man. I, you know, Oregon was very, very good to me. I, you know, uh, I, I, so, so, you know, back to deer hunting. I've I hunted deer uh, from, from basically Peru to Alaska uh, and lots of places in between. I've hunted them in Mexico and Arizona, New Mexico, you know, North America. Um, and I, and I've, I've taken some very, very nice animals to, uh, you know, white tails, mule deer, coos deer, um, you know, Sitka black tails. So but I've never hunted the coastal black tails up there in, you know, Oregon, Washington, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, the, the, the Columbia black tails. So, a friend of mine uh, last year called me and says, "Hey, I got a got a deal on a on a on a place. You know, it's it's basically it's not really guided. It's just kind of 
access to a guy's place in, in Oregon for blacktails. You're interested? And I said, absolutely. Who do I send money to? I'll send a check now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I, I jumped on board just immediately. And I said, you know, and then I started looking at where, where it was. And I said, okay, cool. It's in this area. Uh, there's some, there's actually some steelhead fishing possibly there. And I'm, I'm, I was actually as much interested in the fishing as anything. I'd never caught a steelhead before either. So I was like, man, okay, so there's steelhead in the river at the same time. Yeah, let's go. I'm in, man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think I sent a check the next day to the, to the guy. Uh, you know, of course, COVID came in and, and, you know, talking to the guy, he was kind of, yeah, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm, you know, we may have to put it out, you know, for, for another year or something. And, Anyway, we and, and I'm sure you know the the success rate on blacktail and steelhead is really low, <laughs> really low. <laughs> well, go, I don't know. Continue, continue on, <laughs> continue on. So anyway, so we we go up there and, and uh, uh, you know and, and and actually you know the the day I was to fly you know forget all the other stuff but the day I'm going to fly out and we had a blizzard going on here here around my home so I. I'm trying to get to the airport and I, and I, you know, got there late and missed my flight. So I got booked for the next day and I called, called my buddy. He, he made it up there. All right. And he's, 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 he's there. I said, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm booking another flight. I'll, I'll, you know, flying into Medford. And he said, well, I'll just come down and get you. He said, it's not that far, you know? And I said, all right. So, uh, anyway, so I, I, I'm flying up there and then, and, and he sends me a text while I'm getting on the airplane. He says, Oh, there's a huge buck out in front of me. Oh my gosh. So I get on the airplane. I missed, you know, when I get, get off the airplane, I was like, did you hit him or did you shoot him or did you get a chance? And he says, yeah, he says, I, I shot him. Um, and, uh, I, I got him. And he said, he said, I already got him taken care of. I'm just going to meet you at the airport. I said, okay. So he, he drives down. <laughs> it was crazy. And so I, so I get out, get it, you know, get off the plane. I walk out and I said, man, he, he said, I said, I said, man, what'd you get? He said, oh, you know, real nice four point buck, you know. He said, and I said, it was the first day. You just go out there and shoot one. He said, yeah. And I said, well, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not some little buck. It's a giant, oh, beautiful four point shot, buck. Oh, he shot a gorgeous buck. Oh, and then he put, and you know, he had it in the back of the truck in the bag, you know, and he pulls it out, and I'm just, and I about my, my, you know, my stomach hits my, you know feet and I'm just oh my god what a gorgeous gorgeous buck that is I mean just oh. beautiful buck yeah and and you know and, and we're looking at it and he said well, what do you think he'll score and I'm like man he, this thing is god he's gorgeous and, I mean they're you know for for these smaller deer you know I'm used to looking at mule deer but I'm like that, I bet he's gonna you know he's, he's close to 130 yeah that's what I was thinking that's, a, that's a, just a giant giant and, and you know just a giant I'm like god yeah you better shoot that on the first day Absolutely. Oh, we we spend anyway, our whole so, we'll spend our whole lives trying to shoot bucks like that. So. Oh, that's what I, yeah. I that's what I told him. I said this is a buck of a lifetime. I yeah. mean, you know, a black tail a black tail buck this big, and yeah. I'm like, you know, and and I said this, this is you know if I ever even saw one that big, I, I don't know what I'd do. So you're excited, you know? Right? I was just really <laughs> freaking happy. I mean, I was just uh, floored. I mean, yeah. that, he, that he was able to get such a giant, beautiful buck, you know. And, Anyway, it's pouring down rain the whole time. <laughs> nah, it doesn't we'll rain here. Right back out. Oh God, I'm not used to rain. I, you know, I live, I live. We get snow, but it's crazy, and we get a little rain in the summer. But it, but it typically we get rain, and 15 minutes later it's dry. So I'm not used to this, you know, that long rain. 
Anyway, so we go go back to the hotel and we celebrate a little bit, have a little bite to eat, and then we and we uh, uh, get up the next morning and go out in, in early morning and meet the landowner and, and it's raining. He says, "Well, yeah, you probably just sit in a. I've got a pop up over here set up. Why don't you just go sit in that?" And so I sat there and saw some does and some little bucks, you know, little two points and three points, young deer. And I'm like, yeah, little three point. Ah, I'm going to hold for a bit. I, this first, my first day, I'm going to wait. You know, maybe I can see something as good as what Randy saw. <laughs> see if he can see one like that. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, so hunt, you know, I don't know. I guess it was that afternoon. I got out of the blind midday and went down and, and uh, you know, we're, we're literally, we're driving out. We're going to go get some lunch. And there's a nice buck, better, I mean, a nice big three-point, big, you know, nice buck. I, I probably 100, 105, 110-ish buck. Whoa! What did, laying down. What did you, know, you think of the habitat that they live in? It's really interesting. Um, you know, you've got these, you got these big woods, uh, and, and they can just be invisible in there if they want to. Um and and i i really think that i really think that the rain had something to do with the, seeing these deer at all <laughs> 100% uh, the the uh you know there were there were you know there's some open oak with open with grass and oaks it's really pretty kind of i'd almost call it like african savanna looking stuff mm-hmm. on on this guy's property he's got kind of a strip of that running through and then it's these deep dark nasty ugh, nasty woods <laughs> yeah the bat the- uh, up to the rolling eyes you know and mm-hmm. and uh but but you know we saw this nice three-point and i said man that's a good buck and he says he said, well you think he, he's just laying out underneath an oak tree and i said man I'm, i think i can go sneak up on him and so i <laughs> i jumped out of the truck grabbed my bow and I said just drive off you know just drop me off and uh i'd get out and i go sneaking up there and he's and you know, and he's, he's laying down, he stands up and, he, and I, I, I got within 20 yards of him, kind of that open stuff, just using the trees to mm-hmm. get up. And when he stands up, I'm like, oh, there's some branches there, but I think my arrow's going to go right, right over him. And I draw back and I shoot and I just, I, how do you, I mean, you see a little bitty branch every time. And if you see it, you're going to hit it. I, yep. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, an arrow just deflected down and, oh, I was just sick. I was a you know, I missed him, you know, and he took off and I like, ah, you know, okay, well that was a heck of a first day. I got to got to see uh got to see uh um you know, got to see a nice buck and yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, oh wow, I was pretty excited. Anyways, you know, raining again in the afternoon, sat back in the pop up line and drenched and wet and even in the pop up line I was getting wet. God, this is miserable. <laughs> I don't know. So a hundred, couple more days, and you know, it, 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 a lot of that rain. But we, I saw a, a little bit better buck. He had three on one side and and, and four. He, was, he had a, he had he had the, the, you know, the the split on his back. And I was man, I was thinking about shooting him on the, you know, couple. Of, I saw him a couple of times and actually had him come by a couple of times. And I'm like, I, ooh, I'm like, man, I've got a little more time. Maybe I can. You know, I just like to get one that has you know, a four by four with back, you know, the back forks and the front forks. And I was like, I'm just see a four by four. That would just be so cool. And, uh, anyway, so I think it was, uh, my third, third or fourth day, I, it was pouring down right again. I'm like, God, I'm getting sick of this rain. 
you know, I can't really get out and stalk very well. You, you're um, lucky that the rain was there because without the rain, you don't even see deer. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, this, you know, just keeps raining. I, it's too hard to, I mean, I could try stalking, but my, you know, things are going to get wet and it's just, anyway, so, so I'm sitting in the blind again. It's early morning. It's foggy and cloudy and, and there's some does came through and they're kind of out in front of me and, and I'm just kind of kicking back and I look over to my left and up the hill and I see another deer and I was like, that looks like a buck. I pulled up my binoculars and immediately started hyperventilating. <laughs> I, just couldn't, I mean, I, I, I couldn't breathe. And I was like, and I'm, and I'm trying not to spook the deer. There, there's deer within 15, 20 yards of me. And I'm just, and I, and I, and, and I'm like, God, I got, oh, and, and <laughs> so I rolled up in a little ball in this, you know, below the edge of the blind so they couldn't see me. And so I'm kind of rolled up in the wet, nasty, muddy floor. And, uh, and I'm, and I, and I started doing like deep, deep breaths. So I did, I, I said, I got, so I, I ended up, I, I counted 20 deep breaths that I did. And I said, okay, I can breathe now. Okay. That wasn't real, was it? Is this, is this normal? Is this normal for you? Yeah, that's what I, I, no, I don't get buck fever like this. And I, and I ease my head up and I peek over the blind to see if the deer that were close to me were spooked from me, you know, going crazy. You know, I I mean, I almost threw up. I I, I literally was so twisted. And and this is just from, I sounded like 1001, 1002. And I went, and I went crazy. I've never had that happen. Uh, and so I, I ease up and I look over the edge of the blind and, I, and the deer, okay, these deer, they don't know, they're, they're not looking at me, they're not paying attention. And I look back to my left and I'm going, he's gone. It's crap. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I mean, you know, that, that, that sinking feeling, you know, your guts hit your toes and you're just like, oh, nobody's ever going to believe, I, I don't believe what I just saw. I really don't. I'm not, I'm not, maybe I, maybe I'm hallucinating. I don't know. It's foggy rainy i'm just hallucinating that, that wasn't real i thought well I'm, I'm gonna look again so i get my binoculars up and i kind of look i'm looking around i don't see him anywhere and, and then in the brush on the kind of kind of off to the side there's a little road that went up that that's why i could see that far was because of the road and it was my first time was about 250 yards a little skid road so i'm looking i'm looking up the road yeah a little skid road and i'm looking up that road and i'm like well i don't see him and i see movement kind of off the, in the left in the brush and i and I kind of look over there with my binoculars, and there's an antler. I was like, "Oh, crap! That may be him." And he, you know, took a step, and then he stepped out. And I'm like, "Oh!" I went through the same thing again. I literally had to fall in the bottom of the blind, curl up in a ball, and say, "You've got to get yourself together." Uh, and 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 so because there's 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 a monster there's a monster outside your. Uh... Oh, this, this thing was huge. I mean, I'm going, this, this looks like a 200 inch mule deer standing there. I mean, just, I mean, I'm thinking these deer are little bodied. I don't know what he's, but he's just, they're just giant horns. Then, uh, you know, huge. I'm going, Oh my gosh, please dear Lord, give me a chance. at something like that. This is beyond, you know, any, any imagination to ever even see a deer like this. And he, yeah. so when I peeked up over the blind again, I look and he's, still standing he just stepped out in the open and he's standing there just posing and he's looking and he's just looking at the does he's looking just at everything he's just standing there and going he may not he's gonna these deer near me are gonna spook or booger or something and he's just gonna leave he's just gonna vanish 
and nobody's going to believe that I, that I and you're, you know, when I tell people that I saw this deer that's just ginormous, they're just going to, yeah, whatever, it's, you know, they're, you're, you're eating mushrooms or something. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm like, and, and I'm like, you know, and, and th- at this point he's about a hundred yards and he's standing broadside and he's just looking and he, and he stood there for a long time. And I said, I can't keep, I, I can't, I can glance at him and, I, and I've got to look away. And so I'm literally looking out, the, looking at the tree, the, my blinds against the tree and I'm looking at the bark and I'm like, you know, yes, we, I, I literally like reached out and I'm like touching the bark, you know, on this tree. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, okay, it's a tree. It, yeah, I'm, you know, I, okay, I turn, peek back and he, you know, he finally moved down and moved. You know, move down a little closer, and he, you know, he he walk a little ways, and he just looked. I mean, he just he he was he wasn't like he was scared. He was just very cautious. Um, and so he's you know the, he moved down you know kind of down into some brush on the other side of the road, and I could see him standing there. When I turned back around, he's gone again. I was like, oh no. So what kind of time frame at this point? I, like, how long has this been this happening? Is, this went on for like. From the time I first saw him uh, to this time is probably thirty minutes. Okay, so a lot's going and, on, and, uh, and and so I'm losing my I'm losing my I'm losing my I'm, I'm just going insane. Just to, and he and he's coming closer, and it's like they stop, and he's looking around, and I'm just okay. I've got to get my bow ready, and I can't look at this deer anymore. I've just got to look away and then take a glance and see where he's at. I, you know, I'm I'm every time I look at him, I'm just losing my did you lose my cool? Did you ever consider getting out of the blind when he wasn't close, or no? Uh, there were other deer around. Him. Right, that's right. Them, that's right. No, mm-mm. yeah. I just had to. I just had to hope that he didn't, you know, see me in the blind, or the other yeah. deer didn't see me or smell me. Yeah, and and you know, just just keep praying that you know nothing. I I I, I would I, I would you know bet everything I own to say if one of those does looked at the blind. While he was coming in, he would have looked at the blind. He'd have vanished. He'd have just yeah. been gone. So, I, I, so I you're no. I mean, just the way he was acting, he was. You know, he was. He was leery about coming around. Yeah. And um, you know, and so, uh, so he he just, but he, <laughs> so he dropped down down the hill where I couldn't see him, and I'm like, okay, get your bow ready, get everything ready, make sure nobody's looking at you. Okay, nobody's paying you any attention to these other deer, and there were some does. Some other does came in from behind me, and and I said, "Oh, oh, some more deer coming in," um, and they came in and came in front of me, and then two of the mature does started they got up on their hind legs and started swatting at each other, and and I looked to my left and I see his horns coming, the antlers coming up the hill, and he and he's got his nose out and he's doing that rut, you know, that rut walk coming in yep. to those two does that are swatting at each other. And he and there was actually a, uh, uh, like a yearling fawn between the those who were fighting and him, and he goes and he went right up to her, and 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 so and, he, and when he when he went up to her, he's he kind of he's he's got his head stretched out and he's looking, and I'm like, okay, that's in range right there, and I drew back and I locked up and I said, okay, you've got to keep calm on this shot, and you need to make a good shot. It's raining, uh, you need to make a good solid shot. So I locked up. Counted to three. One, two, three, and I and I said to myself, "This one's this one's for Nathan. This Nathan's my son." And I said, "This one's for Nathan." I let go of the arrow, 
an arrow vanished, you know, I could, I'm using really bright chartreuse, uh, uh, and, and cresting and an arrow just vanishes into the deer high, really high, like, like backstrap high. Mm. And I, I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, the deer jumped over the log and the other deer just watched him and it didn't run off. And they just kind of, huh. you know, and so they're still milling around and, you know, around up the line and stuff. And I started shaking, like, I, 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 I'm listening, see where he, you know, I could hear him run down the hill away from me. And I'm thinking, thank God he went that way, because if he would have gone the other direction, no possible way of ever, ever, ever finding that deer again, ever, in a million years. Just too thick, just jungle on the one side. And so, you know, he kind of ran down, there was some open grassy, with some of that savanna oaks and stuff kind of down the hill. I'm like, oh, thank God he went that way. And I'm thinking, oh, that was a horrible shot. Oh, and I was just sick. I, I literally, I almost threw up again. And so I, when I got calmed down enough, I text, I sent a text to my buddy. I said, hey, I, I, I shot a deer. And he called, you know, he said, he says, can you talk? And I said, yeah, I'll talk. And I said, there's deer around me, but I'm not too worried about them right now. He said, call me. So I called him. And I said, and he said, I said yeah, I, I shot a deer. And he says, did you shoot a buck? nice buck and i said i said yeah yeah shot a giant he said a giant a big buck big four by four and i said a four by four was more i, said, I, I, I don't even know i, I said it's a giant it's just a giant he's 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 definitely got he's definitely a four by four but there was some extra jump hanging off and stuff and he's like well how how, how big and i said I hate to even say this, but like like 180 inches. <laughs> oh my goodness! And 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 it's quiet for quite a while. And he says, "Um, we're hunting blacktails." <laughs> he says, "He says we're hunting blacktails. Blacktails. <laughs> they don't make blacktails that big." I, said, I know. So I'll be right there. And I said, no, 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 don't do anything. I hit this deer bad. I said, I don't even think, I, I don't think I'll find him. I really don't. I said, I'm just sick. I wish I had a picture or a video or something to prove how big this, I said, it, just mind boggling how big this deer is. And I just, I, I, I really screwed it up. I said, I, I'm just sitting here sick. He said, well, give me, a, I'll, I'll give it a while and I'll come up. And so, you know, he, he shows up, he, I, I, he, he actually walked up and, and, and uh, about oh, probably 45 minutes or an hour after, and he said, "Well, all right, let's let's find your arrow. Let's find figure out what happened." And uh, so we go and we look around for the arrow on the other side because the arrow just disappeared when I shot him. I thought, "Well, it probably passed completely, you know, probably blew through." And I just thought I hit him in the back straps as high as I, I hit him, and I was like, oh, you know. And we look, we look, and look down the hill and look around. Don't see anything. Well, let me get back on the tracks. And he said, well, "I'm gonna go down the hill." You know, if he's hit, he's going to be hurt, and he's going to go down down this hill over here. He, he took off. Now. So I get on the tracks, and I walk over, and, you know, okay, he was standing right here. You can see where he dug in, and he jumped there. Oh, there's my arrow right there. So the arrow must have been hanging off his side when he when he took off. And, I, I look, and the arrow's covered in blood. I was like, oh, I got blood. That's awesome. Um, and I pick up the arrow, and I look, oh, and it's got its guts. You know, I'm like, oh. So well, guts. I mean, I hit it. I know where that arrow hit. I mean, I've shot a lot of animals. I, you know, I usually know right where my arrow hit. 
I'm thinking to myself, well, if I hit high and I've got guts, it angled across, I've got a dead deer. And so I followed tracks and I went, you know, I could follow them pretty well down the hill. It's really muddy. It's been raining for days. And so it's just muddy. Um, and so I followed the tracks down to where, where he got into some tall grass and, and, and kind of lost them. So I stuck the arrow in the ground right there. Uh, and then, you know, my buddy's just gone. I don't know where he's at. So <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. So, I, you know, I get, I, I follow, start following deer, tra- little deer trails, you know, follow this deer trail. No, no deer, no, no big, no big tracks, any, nothing big, in, no big tracks, you know, go over here. I went back the direction he had come in from, you know, kind of loop back that way. Um, no big, no big deer tracks going in the right direction. You know, nothing, 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 nothing. I kept coming back and then I, went straight away and, you know, and, and where, where I, basically where I stuck my arrow in was at the bottom of the draw um, coming off the hill and every, and it was uphill going across and I kept wanting to go that way so I, I followed that and I found a couple of tracks and I'm thinking eh, maybe uh, you know but I can't imagine him going uphill if he's if he's hurt from gut shot or not very far and so I went up the hill a little ways and then kept wanting to go you know kept going downhill Finally, you know, went back, met, met up with Randy. I said, yeah, let's go get some lunch, and uh, we'll come back and look this afternoon. And uh, I'll leave that arrow where it is. And, I mean, I can find, I, you know, I can definitely find my way back on the different trails. And he's like, well, if he's hit, you got guts. He's going to be downhill. He's going to be down there at the bottom. And uh, so, anyways, we went and made a sweep through the bottom, didn't see anything, uh, went and had some lunch. Called the landowner and said, "Hey, you know, hit a deer. We, you know, we're going to be looking for him this afternoon." And anyway, so we went back, and the landowner joined us in the afternoon. He he had a side by side. He wanted to drive the roads. He's like, "Well, just drive the roads. You might see." <laughs> God, and, uh, and I'm like, "Oh no, okay. no." <laughs> uh, I, I was like, "Well, I'd rather not because, you know, if he's just wounded, if he if he." runs or something you know we may lose him because of that he's like well i found deer that way you know i found deer that way okay anyways i kind of listened to his ideas and we followed his advice a couple times anyways i you know i I went back to the same plot spot and walked up the same place i kept this i went went back this one one, to this one and i just for some reason i kept going back to it but Anyways, and then the landowner said, hey, I'll take you over here and we'll run down this ridge. Go check this place. Okay. And uh, he dropped me and my buddy off up on the ridge, and we walked down. My buddy's like, there's no way in heck this deer would have come up here. No way. And I said, I don't think so either. And uh, so we walked down this big, long ridge and then came back down to the bottom. And that's in the timber, the pine trees. And and by, you know, along the way, the, the landowner says, hey, uh, by the way, all this brush stuff that's about waist high that doesn't have leaves, that's poison oak. <laughs> oh? Yep. Okay. That's blacktail country. Ah. And I was like, well, I, I know the last time I got into poison oak, it really stunk. It was bad. <laughs> I'm thinking, ah, I wonder how much I got on me. Oh, well, uh, you know, it's not as not as bad as in the summer. But anyway, so I, so. Yeah, so we walked that big ridge and then you know, a buddy goes on down and he's like, eh, I'm going to go down again and go, go way down and follow this down. I said, well, you know, I'm going to go back over here. And I went back and, I, and I'm like, okay, that's the line. There's, there's where my blind is over there. This is the direction he was going for right here. 
where is the closest, thickest, nastiest stuff to right here to where I lost it? And I look up the hill, I'm going, it's up the hill, but I can't imagine you going uphill. You know, and I've been through that at least two times, maybe three times, right up in that area, but I'm, I'm going to go back and look at it again real close, see if I can pick up anything. And so I'm going up, and I'm, actually I'm looking at this tall grass, and I'm thinking, well, you know, there's no, from from where I lost lost the tracks, there's nothing going, you know, the, the, the grass has not been over um, in the way that he would have gone from there in any direction but this. And so I, I'm going where the grass has been over, and, uh, you know, cross a little bit of muddy spot. And, I, and there, there was one deer track there. And I said, well, and it was a big one. I said, well, that's a big deer track. And I'm, I'm just going to go up here. Maybe that's him. And, and there's some thick stuff right up here. Some, there, there's, I don't know what that tree is. It's got the real shiny green leaves. Uh, Manzanita. That one. Manzanita. Is it Manzanita? Mm-hmm. It's got, yeah, there's a kind of a thicket of that stuff there. And I thought, well, I wonder... You know, I've been right by that a couple of times. I've walked by it, but I haven't really gone and looked under it, you know, looking down in this stuff. So I go up there and I'm looking under it. And then there's a, and then I look up and there's a, a big fallen pine tree. And I thought, you know, and I saw another, another track from where I was standing. I said, well, a couple of tracks. And they were good sized tracks. I thought, hmm, I doubt it, but you know. And so I'm walking up this little deer trail and just, just as I get by that fallen pine tree and it's still got branches on it and stuff. And it's, it's pretty thick. And I, and I smelled guts and I thought, huh. And, and I, and I, and I thought, well, my arrow's in that side quiver. So I, I, I was like, well, it's not the arrow. I'd put the arrow, I picked up the arrow that when that, at that time, I, when that was the time I actually pulled the arrow up, stuck in my quiver. I, I knew my way back to it. I'd been back and forth through there so many times. And I'm like, yeah, so I had my arrow in the quiver, and I was like, I'm not smelling the arrow. I thought, man, I wonder if I got it on my sleeve. And, I'm, and I took another step, and I'm, I literally had my hand and my sleeve up to my nose. And I look over, and he's laying there. <sighs> he's laying there. He's laying there upside, kind of on his side, um, in the branches of that pine tree. And I just, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I found him. Yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, you know, and, and. It was probably a whoop that everybody could hear in, in the whole state of Oregon when I found that deer. I thought I, I, I thought I heard that. I was in my stand across the canyon. I thought, man, someone just whooped. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that was you know a crazy thing. You know, we talked about the rain. There was just this massive low pressure system that had come through um, on the. This was this 18th of November that I shot this deer. But the, the massive low pressure system with high wind warnings and everything, we didn't get much wind right there. But, um, but I think that is what got some of these big mature bucks moving. It is, and that's 100%. probably the only reason I saw this deer. But to to recover this deer, to, to see this deer, to get a shot at him, and to recover. So I shot him at seven thirty in the morning, recovered him at four o'clock, and he was not stiff. So he he was laying there in his bed watching me walk by. I walked by him under 20 yards twice, maybe three times that day. Yeah. They'll, they'll do that when they're healthy and, as and, well. And, 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 and I, and I didn't see him. How did I not see him? I mean, yeah. he was laying right there. He had to be laying something, you know, maybe tucked down or whatever, but I should have been able to see the dang thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I know I was within 20 yards of that fallen. I'd seen that fallen tree before and I remembered it. 
And I thought, well, I'll go look up around there. And, you know, those, and, and to find him laying there, I was just, how in the world did he, how in the world did I walk by? I, I don't know if the other guys walked by there. They tuck, they, they tuck I tight. Think. I mean, even when they're healthy, uh, they would rather let you walk past them than give up their location. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's oh. pretty amazing. But, you know, I was just, I mean, so amazing to, 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 to recover that deer. And so, you know, to where the, where the shot hit, I hit him in what, what a lot of bow hunters would call that dreaded void. Um, actually cut the back strap with one blade. I was using a three bladed, uh, hunt, uh, one inch and a quarter cut VPA 200 grain, uh, broadhead. So I, I cracked two ribs going in, um, just and and cut a little bit of backstrap going in and then the arrow exited almost from the from the end of the ribs to the hip uh i would if you put a point right there in the middle that's where it came out mm. um so i mean it, it, it you know he was, he was quartering to you a little bit he was kind of quartering to me and he was down he was he was below me when i mm. shot him you know, downhill yeah almost like shooting out of a tree stand, right? but, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the arrow exited mid body, you know, mid body up and down, high top to bottom and mid body or mid, you know, mid gut zone. So one lung. Nine quarter to ribs. So I, what I, I, one lung was, one lung was cut at the back, top, top back lobe of the lung. Uh, there was a cut on the liver. I think that was the broadhead going through it. But it was just a, a, a slice, and then, uh, uh, and then, uh, and then the exit. But no blood. I mean, no blood. Everything uh, in his cavity is just full, right? Well, and it's just raining too. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, even if there was, there would have been very little blood on, on anyway. But right. with that rain, it was just washing off. Um. Anyway, so, so I was just. I mean, to, describe to des- deer, describe him. Know, tell tell everybody what he looks like. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot of mass, uh, just a giant frame four by four, uh, by, for a black tail, giant frame, giant frame, um, just deep fronts, deep backs, giant mass again. I mean, the blade, the, 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 the main beams come out and blade out flat and just, just gorgeous. Uh, just, just an unbelievable deer. He's got he's got uh, three drop tines on the left. Three drop tines on the left. Uh, got a got a lot of trash on the bases. Double eye guards. Extra stickers. I'm I'm sorry. Does he got double eye guards? Brow tines. So uh, he's got he's got he's got two brow tines, but his brow tines. So his total. So on on his left side, he's got off the base there. He's got one, two, three brow tines coming up, and then two going down. Yeah. And he's got on the on the right side, he's got uh, kind of an extra point coming up from the base, and then another brow tine. And the brow tines are, you know, the short brow tines about three and a half, four inches, something like that. Uh, the other one's really long. I don't, I don't know. Uh, then he's got uh, so he's got a total of eleven points on the left and seven points on the right. Oh, you just can't make this stuff up. And and dark chocolate antlers and chocolate, just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous deer. And just a beautiful deer. I mean, 
you know, I, I brought him home. I cleaned up the skull, and, and you know, I, I've got him sitting here on the table. I'm actually well, fondling him as I'm talking to you. Actually, <laughs> you actually, yeah, you, know? you actually uh, uh, decided to rent a truck and drive him home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I flew up. So I so flew up there, and then, uh, you know, I'm like, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, th- this is such an incredible deer. I'm, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to risk risk something happening on an airplane uh, and I'm taking him home and I want my meat, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I bought a, went, you know, went down, rented a, rented, you know, gave my ticket back and, and rented a vehicle and, uh, you know, took my meat and put it in a cooler and, and, Oh yeah, I guess we hadn't, yeah, I went steelhead fishing too. Yeah. You went steelhead fishing. <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, but, but for the deer, you know, I was like, you know, uh, I got, got my deer meat in the cooler and, and uh, you know, went steelhead fishing, so I had a bunch of steelhead I had to throw in the cooler too. Uh, um, poor you. Yeah. Poor you. The uh, you know, so so on the on the way back, I you know, I put him. I actually put him in the uh, uh, put put the put the safety belt on him just in case. Right in the front you know, seat. I was more worried about him. Shotgun. <laughs> He's riding shotgun. He did. Uh, he and didn't he talk much, but he he did listen. He did listen. He did listen. <laughs> Uh, uh, so he, he ended up, uh, in that 180 class, didn't he? So, so, you know, when I told my buddy 180 inch deer, I, I was just, you know, my buddy, my buddy did a bit of green score and he's a, he's a score for Pope Young, So it's probably pretty close. I'm saying, I mean, yeah. I didn't even, I just helped him. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not even gonna, I, I didn't even know how many points this deer had. I mean, I, I, I couldn't count them. I, every time I'd look at him, I'd start hyperventilating again <laughs> that is so funny and he's laying on the floor and i i look at him like oh, unbelievable you know and so anyway he he put the tape on him and scored him up so so his his uh final growth score was 184 and six eights man what final a... net score net score 178 and six eights that is and a... i told him when he finished up i said I said, see how good I am at field judging him on the hoof? <laughs> yeah, what a buster. That is a total, real buster buck right there. Oh, man. oh my gosh. It was just, I mean, unbelievable. And then, you know, we had a couple of days left, and, you know, like I said, steelhead fishing. And so I got to fulfill, I mean, you know, number one, this is my last, uh, the last deer species for me to hunt. Uh, and, and to top it off with a deer like this is just unbelievable. Did you get your uh, notification from ODF and W? Uh, no, I don't the, know. Yeah, supposed to get? they're res- they're restricting your access into our state. You're not allowed here anymore. No, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Even a traditional season, I'll come up there and just and just cook cook breakfast and 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 dinner and just sit around the campfire and and, and bs you know we'll have you uh, I'd, we'll, I'd be all over that with a bunch of guys just to just to have a good camp you know we'll we'll have you if you bring <laughs> our buck back to our state yeah i do that i do i drive up there now. oh but, yeah uh, so so yeah i mean just a, just a, i mean a buck of uh, you know i you know, my buddy said, "Oh, I said, that's a buck of a lifetime." I said, "No, that's a buck of at least ten lifetimes." Yeah, at least your your buddy. That, I said, "This is such an extraordinary animal." Uh, you know, just just unbelievable. I mean, the, the character. I mean, he's got drop times. He's got stickers. He's got he's got just a just a monster of a solid, beautiful 
four by four frame that's just you know oh, typical yeah. frame is just beautiful and then he's got the, all this extra stuff going on it's just wow i mean it's literally oh. impossible to outdo yourself you realize that everyone knows that i mean the buck oh. your buddy killed is a buck of a lifetime it's those are the bucks we hope to get and kill someday or that we're out there grinding our faces off but your buck i mean if oh. i could see a buck like that before i die even if he doesn't come inside of 100 yards i would feel blessed uh man oh, i mean yeah. that's it's incredible Absolutely. it's yeah. incredible and and the emotion that you went through um i've heard the story once before we talked on the phone and I couldn't even go to sleep that night. Honestly, I literally I took some <laughs> melatonin. I was I was like midnight trying to go to sleep, and I, I just could not stop thinking about your experience with that giant. Well, it was uh, it, it was you know I, I, I say it was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, multiple times in one day. Uh, yeah. It truly was. I mean, it was so so. You know the emotional, yeah, the emotional roller coaster I went on that day was, I, I, I never, I mean, you know, and and I've been blessed enough to to have taken some world class animals. I mean, I, I would say my doll sheep, my mountain caribou, and really my 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 elk that I killed a couple of years ago. Those are world class animals. Uh, nothing's ever done done what this deer did to me. I, I mean, I, I you know, I, you know, got Boone and Crockett white tails and. Bone and Crockett coos deer that I've shot. Bone yeah. Crockett antelope. Uh, you know, nothing nothing comes close to what, what this thing did to me. Yeah. It's in the field. Just, I mean, not, not, you know, score all score aside, just, and I don't know why, uh, but, but I what think an unbelievable rush that was. You recognize when you've seen him that that is a world-class animal. Like, you realize to your leg, this is, this, this can't be real, right? Like, you knew when, what you oh, were looking at. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I imagine you didn't lose any sleep that night. I imagine after uh, you got your hands on him, you and with all that uh, adrenaline dumping, you probably slept like a baby that night. Actually, I didn't get to sleep. I, I think I only slept a few hours. I literally had, you know, had, we're staying in a hotel, so I just had the head sitting there on the floor, and I'm just sitting there staring at. It. Uh, I, I'm just you call me call me goofy or whatever, but I I couldn't quit just and I. And and I, I didn't know how many points he even had. I mean, I I probably stared at this deer for hours, hours and hours. And I, and, you know, and and my buddy when he was scoring, he said, "Well, how many?" And he's having trouble even counting them while he's scoring it. He he even got it wrong. <laughs> he's like, and, but and I'm like, and and I'm like, wow, he's got that many points. Oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, I'm like. I, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's not even the points. It's not the score. It's just looking at him. Just yeah, the, the so whole all inspiring. The whole package. Yeah, uh, I've recorded quite a few podcasts with some some really awesome hunters, but man, this particular one it it, it just got me excited because blacktails, like everyone listening knows, I'm a blacktail nut through and through. And hearing the story because you know uh, off air you shared to me where you where you killed them and where you were at whatnot, and so. As I hear the story, I, I I can smell the oak trees. I can see where you're at. I, when you yeah. mentioned the hotel, I know which hotel you were. It that's you know that's <laughs> that's where I go hunting. That's where I stay. That's so it's oh, really man. special to me yeah. to hear the story, and I really appreciate you sharing it with everybody. Um, what a what an amazing accomplishment! 
And it was, it, it was, it, it, you know, like again, steelhead. I talked about that for just a minute. Man, I caught a, I, I caught a monster of a steelhead. I, I'd never caught, never fished for steelhead before. Never had the opportunity. It took me and, uh, three seasons to learn how to catch a steelhead. So yeah, so it's... I, I caught, uh, I caught five steelhead. <laughs> Um, on a fly rod. Oh my gosh! And, uh, and I caught one pretty good one. Uh, oh, that's about awesome. 10 pounds and ten, you know, probably ten pounder. Oh yeah. And, and you know, but but talk about awesome! I mean, you know, to put icing on the cake. Of yeah. Just, uh, total awesomeness. I mean, total awesomeness. I, I, I mean, it don't get any better than that. It doesn't. It just <laughs> it doesn't. doesn't. It just doesn't. No, it just doesn't. I, no. Not in my book. I actually. We've been talking, and I've been invited to go to Kansas um, uh, this November, which would be mm-hmm. a great opportunity to hunt with my good buddy Jason Sankoviak, and, and I should do that. But man, I, it, hearing your story, it just reminds me that if I want to see a big buck like that, uh, uh, or, or have a chance at a uh, a mature blacktail, I have to be in the blacktail woods in November. I can't be anywhere else. Um, and, and as well, much as uh, this was, you know, this was the week before Thanksgiving, the whitetail rut in, in Kansas, first and second week of, of November, if you can get first week, even is, is excellent. Right. I really like hunting that first week in, in, you know, in Kansas, uh, first week in November. Um, actually the, the, you know, depending on how the week falls, but you know, the last part of October, the first, first week, you know, first part of November, um, that is just a, a great time to be in the woods, uh, in, in Kansas and, and, uh, you'll, you know, you'll get opportunities. Well, uh, I've at, heard possibly a really good whitetail. And, and then for, for these, for these blacktails, they're a little later. I think, I think just before Thanksgiving or maybe, you know, or, you know, that Thanksgiving time frame is when you need to be yeah, in the, um, in the woods for, for those guys. My invite to the whitetail hunt is unfortunately right before Thanksgiving, and you're you're a hundred percent right. The week before and the week after Thanksgiving is the blacktail magic time. Uh, if you oh, got yeah, if you got I, rain, yes, if you get rain or you snow, know, and, and you know if you're limited, if you're limited, I would say if you're limited on time, watch the weather. Yes, and you're close. I mean, if I live if if I live closer, I'd be hunting these things all the time. I yeah. mean, they're awesome. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful deer. Yeah, and I'm... and by the way, these things these things are better eating than 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 definitely a mule deer, uh, and definitely I would say a Texas whitetail. These these things are from a from a from from a meat standpoint, they're amazingly good. Oh, I like it better than really good I like it better than elk. I like it better than anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and they're so special yeah, they're, because if if you uh didn't get an opportunity on that buck that day, uh you would have probably never seen him again. I know also the landowner we talked had uh, trail cameras out yeah. and the landowner had never seen this buck not last year, not the year before. <laughs> yeah. So that that's what's cool about blacktail. Um he looked he, you know, well, he asked, he asked me when he, when we first started out to go look, he said, well, how big is this deer? And I said, I don't even, I'm, I'm afraid to even tell you. And he looked at me and he says, well, how, how, how big do you really think he was? And I said, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. And when I, when he saw it, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> he said, he said, he's like, that's the biggest deer I've ever seen around here. Oh, you yeah. Know? 
every once in a great while, guys pull them out of there. But it is, uh, you know, l- less than 1%. I mean, like we said, the buck your buddy killed is a great representation of mature oh. monster buck. And your buck looks like he ate your buddy's buck. <laughs> Oh, just, yeah, unbelievable. And I, I mean, I'm just, I mean, so blessed. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's far beyond, far beyond normal to, 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 to be, you know, to be able to even, you know, have an opportunity at something like this. I mean, it truly is. Well, you set the stage so, now. Now non-residents aren't allowed to hunt blacktails in Oregon because of you. So. <laughs> You did that. I would love to come back. I would love to come back up there. And, I, you know, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, we need to go up there and, and just drive up there and drive around the country. You, you know, it is such a beautiful, it is. you know, that, that, you know, once you get over the Cascades and you get down towards the coast, you know, and just, just the mountain range, I said, I, I said, I didn't get to see much of it until I left when it finally cleared off and quit raining. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but my gosh, I'm looking, I'm going, wow. This is gorgeous. I mean, it really huge is. trees and 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 just a, a a gorgeous part of the world. Um, you know, all all of that country is. And, and I'm like, man, I'd like to see more of it. And you know, even just to go up there and just you know just drive around and 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 look at the country because yeah, there's uh, you know there's nowhere I'd rather be yeah. around Thanksgiving time than than in that country right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's. You know, I, I I need to go back. I need to go back up to Alaska and get a get a decent, you know, a decent uh, Sitka blacktail. Uh, then I'll have don't have one of each on the wall. I you know, my my Sitka blacktails. I did shoot one buck, but I but I didn't didn't wasn't able to recover him. So uh, you know, from that perspective, it's like yeah, I need to go to, go back up to Kodiak or or maybe one of the other islands out there and and see if I can get a a decent. A decent one of those for, you know, to go with the collection. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I like hunting them in California, Oregon. I plan to start hunting them in Washington, Alaska. I just can't get enough of them. They're they're just a ton of yeah. fun. They're so so gorgeous and special and tasty and, um, yeah. So why don't I mean, we? Uh, I would, yeah, I would put them up there. I would put the you know these deer, uh, the the ones in Alaska have a little bit more striking colors. Of course. You know, when they're not soaking wet, maybe they're maybe they're a little different. But yeah. uh, but these still seem to have really striking colors. Uh, you know, but the but the blacktails are probably I would have to say the the blacktail deer is the prettiest deer in North America. A hundred percent, and that's counting all of the blacktails. Yes, you know, the, the, the cascades, sitkas, whatever or, you want to call yeah. them. Yeah, all yeah. They're they're all they're all uh, just gorgeous deer. Uh, you know. They're not great big huge deer, but no. they're you know they're 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 but they're beautiful. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. Well, uh, do you got anything so, you want to leave the listeners with? Any any advice to uh, these new up and coming bow hunters per se? Stay with it. Uh, persistence. I mean, you know, uh, you know, just stay with it. Uh, don't 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 give up. Um, and and if you're if you're having you know nowadays we've got we've got guys out there that are coaching people for for, for shooting traditional equipment. Uh, you got Joel Turner up there in, on the northwest side. You got yep. Tom uh, Tom Clum here in Colorado. These guys are awesome. Oh yeah, they'll spend some. Uh, you, you know, a little bit of time with them will, will cover 
you'll be light years ahead. I mean, I I was self-taught. I mean, I I picked up the bow and started flinging arrows, you know, pulled the string back and let it go. Okay. Um, Was lucky enough to to be able to hit stuff every now. Um, But those, those guys can get a, 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 somebody who's never put a bow in their hand in their life and have them, you know, shooting extremely well, very quickly and have, have techniques and, 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 and methods and procedures to get past any any issues that they may have. Right. You know? or, or reteach a guy with a lot of bad habits. They they're good at that too to right. to work you through it. Because yeah, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna get up at four in the morning and you're you're gonna drive forty hours from one state to the next and you're you know, you're gonna uh spend all this take the time from work and from family, uh be confident in your equipment. That that definitely is uh, really important. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, and there's there, you know, there's there's so much knowledge available today that that wasn't there. I mean, you know, I had a copy of Fred Bear's uh, Archer's Bible, and I wore it out, um, you know, as a kid. And 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 it's like that's all I really had, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and you look back at that and you go, wow. Yeah, I, man, I've learned a lot since then. Yeah, uh, now, you, you know, and you, and you learn you learn by being in the woods if you want to hunt. Uh, the, the more time you can spend, you know, being around deer, being around elk, being around animals, and and just enjoy them. I mean, you know, I mean, they're they every every species is special. Every absolutely. animal is special, absolutely. and they've all got they've all got their little their little quirks, but. But the more time you can spend out in the woods, the more more things, then you then you come up with neat little tricks. And I could, you know, I I could sit down and probably do a couple of hours just on stupid little things that I've done that have that have been successful or helped other people be successful and you know stuff that you know crazy stuff that you just wouldn't think of. And he's like, what? Oh, well, I think keep uh, your mind open. Keep your mind open for different ways to approach things. Um, and 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 it'll increase your success over time. Well, I don't think I could have said it any better myself. And uh, we didn't even get into to elk. And you're from Colorado, so we'll have to get you back on uh, later in the year. Talk a little elk hunting and and try to sure. pry some of these uh, tips and tactics out of you. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Awesome. I've, I, I I tell people I'm not an elk hunter, but you know, I'm, I'm a deer hunter. Sure. But, uh, you know, I've, I've had, I've had, I guess I've done okay on elk. <laughs> yeah, you sure have. You sure have. Well, we really appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. Check us out on our Instagram, TradQuest. Uh, send us an email at TradQuestPodcast at Gmail. And keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight. Oh. Thanks, man. Quiver's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep 
my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly through. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. Get outside so I can fling a few. 